Welcome back to the Pod of Greed. That's right. Another week, we're back to chat with you about all of your favorite card games and everything and like else. Miscellaneous really. hobbies. We getting the stuff. I think this is actually going to be a kind of lengthy episode because there's just a lot to. You didn't tell me I should have ate something before we started recording. Yeah, sorry, you're gonna have to survive. I had half a Subway sandwich, y'all. Yeah, four hours of a podcast today. No, I hope it won't be that. Woo! But um, yeah, a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh news and a lot of other things just to cover. So I'm kind of excited. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great time in Yu-Gi-Oh ish. Yeah, like, it just has a little asterisk there. It's simultaneously the best and the worst. <laughs> I have to apologize in advance to uh, oh, we, we have go. phones instead of our tablets because I left my tablet at home and uh, I think his is dead. Or I've got so. caveman internet right now. My so, phone's a little slow right now. Uh, yeah, we'll be using our phones, but I'll try to be professional and not look at it too much. But how professional is a phone versus a tablet anyway? I know. Okay, so what's going on with Yu-Gi-Oh right now? There's a lot actually. Where do we start, though? I feel like we should start with the elephant in the room. Do we still have that case of tins in here? No. Oh, the mega tin? Yeah, yeah. they're not in here. Oh, okay. Well, it it's the elephant not in this current room, but it was in this room. The mega tins. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is like our third week talking about these, actually. But we find, but we have opened them ourselves. Yeah, now. we did open them. There's a video on the channel. Uh, I kind of lied, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm only going to buy like a couple of tins. But then I saw him on TCG Player for like $160 for a whole case. That's like $13 a 10. So I bought some. And what is the MSRP per 10? $21.99. Yeah. Yeah, but if you can get I them paid. for like 13 bucks, I, I went to a shop and they sold me one for 23 I was really upset. Yeah, so we did open a case. Um, any changes in opinion having opened these tins? What do you think of like rarities or just what we pulled? So the tins aren't garbage. In general, but for a there for a specific type of player, these tins have no value. If you yeah. know what I mean. When I was opening it, I found I went into it thinking like, okay, these are not going to be the best, and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, not I'm, I'm not it hasn't like you know this is not God's gift to Yu Gi Oh by any means. Best right? Like they still have you know time. they're still missing in my opinion a good like staple kind of card. There's mm-hmm. no pot of prosperity. Sort of evenly matched, Barone type of. They could have thrown action again. <laughs> yeah, they could have even done that. But I will say that getting some of your favorite decks just rarity bumped is nice. Mm-hmm. I pulled a lot of Exosister cards, and I was actually able to basically get a Therion core. Yeah, I was is, annoyed how many Exosisters you pulled. Yeah, I feel like I got lucky because they made most of them secret. I was like, come on, man. Like, the only archetype that I got a lot of represent, representation for was Amazonas. And, like, I, w- yeah. I didn't really need reprints of those. Yeah, but and like I said, I got a Theory Encore out of nowhere. Like, that was, like, a deck that I've Yeah, we been... pulled, like, two Regulus? Yeah, a couple Regulus, like, three Borea, um, the Field Spell and stuff. So that was a deck that I had... It's one of those decks where, like, you know, decks will come out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I kind of want to build that, but, like, not enough to commit to really yeah. doing it. And so you just, it just kind of passes you by. But then, like, the tens come out, and it's like, oh, I can literally just pull, just kind of randomly pull them, and they're, like, all really cheap now. So I was like, oh, cool, I can actually I, make this. Didn't Therian have, like, a like a short, short window in the meta at one point? Yeah, I mean, Regulus has been, and still kind of is, like, teched as an option in, like, decks that are machine prominent. I know, like, Super Heavy Samurai were able to mm. use it. That's probably the most recent example. But even, like, when... Oh, rest in peace, Super Heavy. Yeah, it's any time that, you know, like, kind of machine decks are around. The Earth Machine deck obviously really loved it. It's a pretty good one, but in general, they're not very popular. Borea can be used in plant decks, though, so there's that. But I'm building it in Master Duel as well, just for fun. 
He, he builds everything in Mass Duel, y'all. He can't yeah. be stopped. Uh, it's not actually completely. There's a lot of URs in the deck, but um, but he yeah. will do it. Uh, what did you think of the the QCRs? I mean, you guys already know. I wanted Neos. I didn't get Neos. Spoiler alert. Um, but we did pull a quarter century Red Eyes and a quarter century Stardust, and I thought they were gorgeous. And yeah. uh, those are cards I will definitely be adding into my collection and into uh, into some decks. Not the Red Eyes, guys. I'm not playing Red Eyes. I can't do it. Yeah, we know how Alec feels about Red Eyes. Question, so which Red Eyes do you prefer uh, artwork-wise? Because we both we have both Red Eyes and Quarter yeah. Century Secret We have now. the Starter Deck Red Eyes, the one from the anime. And then we have the, uh, the first alternate art Red Eyes, the one with the kind of dark the black and the red. Uh, what do you kind of greenish background thing? too? It's Was, is that the Shonen Jump red eyes? I don't know where it originated, but which one do you prefer? It. Oh, for sure, the uh, starter deck uh, anime red eyes. That one, I, I found that design to me is perfect, and no other red eyes redesign has come close. Yeah, I asked people on Twitter, and they also seem to generally agree. Uh, the 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 starter deck red eyes is kind of the beautiful. So, um. <sighs> I don't know. Any other like stray thoughts on them? On the on the product? On the tins. The uh like it's I mean, nice to, to have if you collect tins, and there's a lot of people who do. I mean, it won't look bad in your display of modern day tins. Oh yeah, that does remind me. I I think that it they look better in person than they do in the online renders. Yeah, that was like the first sure, thing I noticed, like the embossed kind of design. Because I remember when I saw the renders, I was like, these look very busy and like kind of not good in the like online images mm-hmm. but then i got it in my hand i was like oh, this is cool and it's a bit refreshing because the last few tins we've had have all been uh egyptian themed and can they were kind of samey yeah they all run two together. of them were part of the tablet the uh the, the pharaoh tablet no, three were. were three even part of yeah, the, the, the tablet was 2020 2021 and 2022 ah, okay. and then 2019 was the gold star yeah the gold Sark and so like it basically meant oh four. i'm missing a tin in my in my collection yeah, so basically, I meant there were four tens in a row that effectively looked the same from a distance. Yeah, and so this is a nice visual breath shake of up. fresh air. That said, though, I'm still team bring back missing. like the window where it shows the promo card. Paul, they don't do that anymore. I guess first I got to get promo cards back. Windows are impractical. They are actually. That's the actual reason why. But would not would it not be so cool if we could like go back to getting like windows in the products? By windows, I mean, like, you know, whenever there's, like, a starter structure deck or, like, with tins, they kind of have, like, the little plastic Stardic, Yugi, Stardic, Joey. You would see the, the card cards through the like, little window. Yeah. I think as a kid, it was just, it really, like, drew the, something about, like, it promised that you were going to get what you were going to get inside. Like, it I was think proof that it kid, was in there. that was really important when the Stardic Yugi and the Stardic Kaibas came out, there's, there's an important draw mm-hmm. of... That's the Dark Magician. Like he's that is there. Blue Eyes White Dragon. All, the only thing separating me and it is this piece of cardboard. Yeah, and so I think it was like a really great way to buy. Um, and it's a great uh, bait to get people to learn to steal. Yeah, at Walmart, that was a big, big problem. Also, though, um, that reminds me. So I know like with those, the reason they don't do it is also, it's like a little more expensive to kind of make the product. And it's mm-hmm. also a little more wasteful because there's like, kind of plastic and other stuff being used. But I realized several months back, I think basically at the, around the beginning of this year, I want to say is maybe when they started doing this, Yu-Gi-Oh! packs in stores like Target and Walmart, I believe, too, 
like the blister packs now use um like kind of just the the paper covering they no longer have the plastic like covering oh i haven't seen that yeah i don't know if you've seen it it's just i remember seeing it and being like oh this looks different but um it has nothing to do with really anything i just thought it was nice i always get i get skeptical when i see uh blisters on shelves packaged in a way i don't expect i'm always worried about repackages because of uh, many trips to Walmart. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's true. And these, I guess you probably could repackage them as well since they're just sort of adhered. They're just some adhesive or something. But anyway, yeah, that's the tens. Um, get them if you can get them for cheap. That, that, that would be my basic Which recommendation. Which means go online. Go on DGG Player. Use our link. Support the channel. You don't have to, but you can. I, but I d- will recommend, and I know you guys will like, shoot me for this. Uh, you know, if you have an LGS, a local game store, uh, just, you know, pick up one of their tins, please. They need help selling those things. Yeah, just not, buy one. Just want. Just times one. are rough. Just one. You know. You know. Shh, careful, Alec. Don't go telling them to buy Yu-Gi-Oh packs. I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. Okay, so YCS Vancouver happened this past weekend, and this was actually a pretty big piece of news for mm-hmm. a number of reasons. Um, the event was won by none other than Jesse Cotton. The man um, can do anything. Definitely kind of the modern day, actually in my opinion, just at this point, of all time goat of competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. This marked his sixth YCS win. I think he's the first player to do so. And um, also, I mean, like, it just he's done it over the course of, like, so, so many different years and formats. I feel like I've seen Jesse Cotton three times, and at these three different events, he won. Yeah, <laughs> he, he definitely tends to come away with the gold. I know um, the times that I've gotten to speak with him, very, you know, informative person. I think the piece of advice that he, when I asked him for like a just a general piece of advice, something that he said was like, you know, always stick to like the game plan. Don't like like emotions and stuff influence your moment to moment decision making in a game or like superstition or anything like that. And so I've kind of been trying to take that mentality when I play in like Master Duel and stuff and it kind of works out. So, hey, if, I mean, if it's, if it's advice from him, I mean, that's like yeah. advice. I mean, like, that's advice from Tom Brady. That's advice from Michael Jordan, you know? Right, yeah. Like, so shout-outs to him, and also, perhaps more importantly to the average sort of casual viewer, he won with the Unchained deck. And not only did he win with it, this was the this was like coming off the heels of the previous weekend mm-hmm. where, you know, Pac and his team, they won, and he was using Unchained, which popularized the Unchained deck. Wasn't the finals of Vancouver a... Um, there's an unchained mirror match, mirror match. yeah. yeah. That's how that's four, how well it performed. The top four had like three unchained decks. The top, like it made up the highest percentage of like the top cut and like top thirty two. Beat 16. out Cash Tira, which I still think means that people are just tired of that deck. <laughs> yeah, I think people are kind of bored with Cash Tira and they're just doing anything to avoid playing it. But the unchained deck is an exciting one to see as a top tier contender because it got support in Duelist Nexus, so maybe this could be a reason for somebody to. Give Duelist Nexus like a second look. They got the new Link monster. Because you know, Nexus, they got right? a new Link monster yeah. and then those two new level six monsters. But also, um, you know, Unchained as a deck is a little more mid rangey. You know, it's not just you know ten minute combo like set up all the negations and just in game in one turn. It definitely can grind with you, and it can certainly like simplify resources and stuff against your opponent really well. So I think in that way, it's a refreshing deck to see that at the top compared mm-hmm. to maybe like a cash dare that's just a rise hard or like a, you know, a, a long combo from like Dragon Link or some pile thing. It does. It is nice to see a format that has lasted longer than I think many of us have liked. Right. For sure. Still have like a shake up and a change at this point in the game. 
So here's something fun about it too. Um, Unchained got support in Duelist Nexus. Right. But what also got support in Duelist Nexus was Infernoble Knights, yeah. which managed to make an appearance of the top cut. Pirelli, which already was a pretty good deck, but yeah, did everyone get more knew that. in uh, Duelist Nexus. And even um, a Rescue Ace deck managed to oh. I think, squeak into top 32, if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, there's a lot of early movers on Rescue Ace, you know, for anticipation for the next format. So what I'm hoping maybe is that this helps to shift people's perception even slightly around Duelist Nexus because while the set is far from perfect, it does show that a lot of the cards and like decks and archetypes and stuff that were like supported in that set have gone on to make some competitive impact. So, you know, Revolution maybe we'll give it a bit of a second look. Revolution Synchron. Yeah, that one's also been uh Revolution Synchron. It's been pretty popular. What was the name of that set again? Is Revolution Synchron. Actually, you know what's funny about that? I don't know that Revolution Synchron, despite being the most expensive thing, I don't actually know that it's even... Is it like I don't know if it was used in some of the top decks. That's actually what something I was looking into after the event. I was it, For the list I could find, I was trying to see if Revolution Synchron was really there, and I, I didn't see it, but I also didn't yeah, see all the lists. I haven't like delved super deep, but um, it definitely seemed like a, a pretty competitive event. It really comes across to me as though competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! is in a pretty nice place right now. People seem pretty happy, at least as of these last few weeks, with what's been going down. I know that there is like a darker side to it. Like That's there's true. kind of the, there's like the prize support thing. I've been seeing a lot more players kind of expressing dissatisfaction with just getting, you know, like twelve packs or something for, wanna, for a, a wanna, top eight uh, premier finish. Play and, some meta Yu-Gi-Oh! Hmm? I'll play some meta Yu-Gi-Oh! I got a cash tier deck. Oh dear God, no! Um, but you know, some people are kind of you know disappointed with stuff like that. But I do think that at least in terms of people going to these YCS events, they seem to really be enjoying them. Mm-hmm. And this week, the kind of back to back to back trilogy continues because it's YCS. Uh, I forget which one's, which one's next. Somewhere, somewhere in Mexico, I want to say. Oh, I thought it was Mexico City, but it's somewhere else, I believe. It wasn't in, was it Cancun? Cancun, I think, is this weekend, yeah. Is that? You have YCSs in Cancun? Yeah, because I know that they also announced something that was like, there's so many different ones that have been announced well, at this point. Uh, I think I need to go to uh, YCS Cancun. I'm going to compete, I swear. Yeah, it's okay. We'll just hop on our flight tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's another event. I'll be interested to see if, like, Unchained can carry the momentum it's gotten from the past two weekends and continue to perform, or will people, you know, come prepared, and will it be caught lacking? And then Castira the wins again. I mean, the thing is, I, I know that Castira, I think people are not playing it because they are, like you said, a little bit bored of it and stuff, but it does still like it is still very much an oppressive deck so yes. i think that you know i hope like konami doesn't look at this and be like oh cash is fine we'll just leave it nah, all alone so that will be hilarious because they have not yet done a ban list so that We're is still something that people are waiting on and guys that's why you have to buy the megatons <laughs> the faster they sell the faster we get a ban list wouldn't that be a crazy narrative to start spreading what if konami actually did that like they're, they're, there's actually a sales quota and they're like we're not releasing this ban list until this many tens have sold and if these Yu-Gi-Oh players want to say our products suck then they'll never get a new list until we sell one million boxes of duelist nexus one million tens they're holding the ban list hostage yeah that would that would actually be 
kind of terrible. Okay, so speaking of that, actually, I'm glad you mentioned it. Of a hostage or a ban list? A ban list. Oh, although, okay, just checking. Okay, so this is something kind of interesting. I found out today Which that apparently China has a completely separate ban list from the TCG and the OCG. Well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, right? this was actually on Twitter. People were just talking about it. Um, but wait, when we went to the Worlds in Germany, I specifically remember there were Chinese content creators. Now, where in China they're from, I'm not sure. But I remember there were Chinese content creators, so I assumed we were playing under the same format. Yeah, I'm, I can't speak to it in much detail. This is just some stuff that people were talking about on Twitter. But oh, so it might not even be true. No, no, it's real. I mean, there's like oh, a link okay. to the to the ban list. Um, somebody had like kind of shared some screenshots and stuff, and like they have just different cards that are like legal, not legal. Um, What's the craziest thing you see? Somebody had a screenshot. And I'm trying to find it because like it was, it seemed pretty interesting. Um, okay, here we go. So, like, wandering Griffin Rider is banned there. Ooh. Um, Nightmare Mermaid, I see Guardian like Agarpane, Pot of Greed and stuff. There, yeah, there's just certain cards, like Vanity's Emptiness. It seems like it's similar enough, but there are just cards that are on there and like different. And because of the, of the names, I don't know what Did some of these cards are. they just have a list update? I think it just updated. So what are the changes? Uh, it, if you can find them. Well, I'm going to say these card names and you're going to be like, I don't know what's... Like mental skeleton equipment gamma, which I'm guessing is cipher gear gamma. Yeah, that sounds like cipher um, gear. Got like quasi restricted, which I believe means to semi to, to one. Yeah, or limited. Um, Galatea, Lyra Galatea, which I'm serious, like Orcist Galatea. I wonder what they're doing with her. Orcist and lyric, maybe music. Um, neighbor Mo's lawn. Are those all quasi? These are like things that are quasi restricted. Okay, okay. Which I'm mean, because that grass looks greener. Now I think this might be like a screenshot that was like Google converted. Mm-hmm. Apostle of the bottom of the world. Eh. I don't know what that is. Yanwu Tianji. Like, if you guys want to look into this, you can find out. I mean, I guess it's not really relevant to us. Like, I don't really play in Japan ob- or in China, obviously. But there's a difference between China and Japan, Paul. I don't know. No, if that's not what I meant. I don't know that's if you knew that. I'm just letting no. you know. There's a difference. But I'm just, but. Because I just I always thought that the China was like just an OCG territory, but it's apparently the entire country of China is just an OCG territory to you, huh? Oh, wow. Yeah, but no, I really I really wow. thought that was like the, the the list that they used, but yeah, I guess there's a completely separate one. So if you guys want to maybe look into it, it might just be something fun, or it could be a, a weird alternate format to perhaps speaking uh, of the ocg um, it this is a small thing it's not like it's not a story but i've i've been always confused on like asian english cards yeah the rarity because um yeah every so often and like an asian english card will cross my like view and if you guys don't know um there are asian english cards distributed to territories where konami either can't or doesn't feel like translating it into their the native language of that country or region so they just print it in english yeah i know and these are ocg cards and not legal in the tcg but they are in english yeah i remember when i was getting like kind of my rare old school cards collection there's always like the whole asian english thing for Mm -hmm. like things like red eyes blue eyes and they were like they had like different prices, and then there's also like Australian versions of cards that like seem otherwise identical, but like they have like AU on the little card code and. Wait, are Australian cards OCG? 
No, they're they're TCG, oh, but okay. like it's just it's these little layers of complication and kind of like I guess localization, different versions of things. So um, Australia is really far away from like most TCG like territories. Yeah, they don't. To my knowledge, they don't have like issues with getting cards. I know that that's a big thing that's associated usually with Brazil. I've had a lot of um, players from Brazil who've like messaged us and you know kind of ha- at, like explain the situation to me. Apparently, like getting TCG cards is pretty difficult there. A lot of times they get their sets very late. I actually and, don't understand how uh, South America as as a whole, the entire continent, gets such little support from Konami. I mean, I think that they're trying to improve it. I know that when when they had the YCS last weekend, the 3v3, mm-hmm. YCS Brazil, or you know, weekend before last, it was actually, for the first time, I believe, in South America, a streamed event, like a live-streamed event. And and even uh, it got like hosted by like lo- like kind of local players, like players from Brazil. Fiaspo, oh, okay. who we actually know, um, Fiaspo was one of the hosts for it. He doesn't play the physical game. Uh, I think he maybe plays a little bit of Speed Duel. Oh, okay. I don't know. But, yeah, so, I mean, so that was, like, a step forward. But I do hope that Konami can get the whole, like, you know, getting products, like, shipped out and released on time there settled. I'm not going to pretend to know. I mean, I know, like, a, you know, supply chain stuff is difficult. But. I took a class on that at one point. I got an A. Yeah. So you, you can, you, Alec can solve the problem. <laughs> Just hire him and he'll he'll get your Yu-Gi-Oh cards. There's a story about how I got an A in supply chain. We're not going to get into all that. Yeah, so uh, that was an interesting thing. Let's see. The professor could be bought with soda and beer. Yeah, YCS Vancouver, so that happened. It's cool. And we've got one more YCS coming up. I think that's all in terms of, like, YCS news. So now we get into a new ban list that dropped. Huh? In a format most people do not care about. Speed oh, Duels. that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so Speed Duel did just get a new ban list. That's, the, that's this format, guys, in case y'all didn't know. Yeah, let me pull it up real quick. But basically, the Speed Duel ban list is, it's it works like Duel Links where there's like kind of the limit one, limit two, limit three thing. So that it, any card in the limit three category, you can only have three copies of the cards in that category. It's not that you can have only three cards, uh, three copies of a single card because you can already do that. It's... Three individual cards in your deck can of be that in that entire section. list. Yeah. So basically, um, that probably didn't make sense. Still, I think it's a hard thing it. to articulate. That's actually why I think it's going to be. It, it would be a very different. Like people want this sort of like format in the TCG, where mm-hmm. it's like kind of limit one, limit two, limit three, and just that difficulty in explaining it is partly why logistically I think it probably can't work because he's got such a large card pool. But I will just read straight from uh, the horse's mouth. So, the Speed Duel Limited list works like the Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links Forbidden and Limited list. There can be Limited 1, Limited 2, and Limited 3. So, Limited 1. Only one of the following cards out of all the cards that are Limited 1 can be used in your deck and side deck. And so, the new changes are that they added, I'm just going to attack, which is the Joey skill card. It's now Limited 1. I know people have hated playing against that. Yeah, that's the one that can, like, what, negates traps in the battle phase? Yeah. And can power up a monster a little bit. You can essentially stop any one of your opponent's battle phase traps. And then also Twisted Personality, the Yami Merrick skill card, got limited one. 
which I'm actually glad for because people weren't running the the vampire skills and were running vampires just with twisted personality. Yeah, that's a, a Merrick skill card. If I'm remembering correctly, it's the one where if you would, anytime that you take like damage, mm-hmm. you get like a, a, counter. a counter. And when you have like two counters, you can remove them to like pop a card or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was a very useful skill. And also, Golden Ladybug is new to Limited One. Oh, it's new there. I thought. Yeah, they say it's newly limited to one. So, this one's a little bit weird if you're like not familiar with Speed Duels. But in Speed Duel, one of the biggest like issues for a lot of people is actually the prevalence of stall decks. Yeah, they keep evolving. Cards like Zoma the Spirit, Nightmare Wheel, um, Mask of what is it? Mask of Weakness or one of the whichever the mask. That, like, you equip it to a monster, it can't attack, and then, like, its owner takes some damage each turn. Like, those sorts of cards, like, stall decks can be really obnoxious in Master or, or in Speed Duel, not Master Duel. Oh, he's got Master Duel in the brain. And also, because of the nature of, like, stall decks, people can use Golden Ladybug to get their life points really high, and it's just... So, I think that they're trying to kind of tame this. Offerings to the Doom, which is already on this list. Floodgate Trap Hole is new to Limited 1. Hmm. Um, Nightmare Wheel and Zoma the Spirit. So, of all of those cards I just mentioned, you can only run one of them. Just a single one. copy. So, yeah. they also... Floodgate's good to hit to one, though, because if if your opponent, your opponent can ca- catches you in such a way, mm-hmm. they can flip your all three of your monsters, and that's all you can have in speed duels, face down, and they can't be flipped up. You probably can't win anymore. <laughs> yeah, so some cards are also moved from limited one to limited two. Jinzo got moved to limited two. It used to be limited one. This is an important one because uh, Esperoba got support in Speed Duel Streets of Battle City. Check out our video on it, by the way. Okay, good. I had to make sure that's the right box. Yeah, so only being able to run like one Jinzo. It's very difficult to use. Jinzo deck. Um, Also, Cocoon, uh, like Cocoon of Vulture Evolution was already on the list. Parasite Paranoid was already on the list. Volcanic Shell, Allure of Darkness, Foolish Burial. Um, and new to limited to Machine Angel Ritual. Good. That also came in the previous kind of GX Speed Duel product. It's one of the stronger ritual spells. And Reinforcement of the Army is new to limited to. So it was at limited one. Ah, okay. So it got so pushed So actually up. allowing you That's run good. two Rotas. Pretty cool. Um... And then finally, they removed from Limited to Union Hangar, just entirely. And um, so I guess the XYZ kind of Union strategy wasn't, I guess, as bad, a big of a deal anymore. So Limited I mean, Three, they, they actually they recently added the VW XYZ stuff. I wonder, not no one in the TCG really messes stuff? around with that. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, in the last uh, GX set, I believe, oh, you got okay. VWs. So that means you have VW XYZ, and I, I'm wondering how that works with a Union Hangar. If at all. Um, I don't know. Um, now, Limited 3, Cyber Angel Benton, Break of the Magical Warrior, Cyber Dragon, DD Warrior Lady, Book of Moon, Cosmic Cyclone, Wall of Disruption. No, Nothing is new there. So yeah. Limit 3 is essentially a place where you just put the good Any cards. Any three of those cards. Cards that can use. just, a lot of cards that people just tech into decks because they're good. They go into limit three to limit how many staples people are running in their decks. Yeah, you'll notice those are kind of, like you said, just the... The, the Breaker, the Magical Warrior, DD Warrior Lady, mm-hmm. kind of like Cosmic Cyclone. Those types of cards, they're just so generically useful. They're kind of limiting how many total staples you can run. Because you could cram them all into a deck, and actually your deck would be quite strong. Yeah, you're just playing like kind of the good stuff deck. Yeah, every card is value. So this is new. Now, something interesting about Speed Duel ban lists, we'll call them, is that these are called 
um, events only. So, um, so that means the out of package experience, like if you want to play a sealed Streets of Battle City game, it is not affected by this restricted list. Yeah, and also like if you play at locals, uh, you know, it's kind of up to your locals, I guess, if you want to apply that. Mm -hmm. But this is typically what's going to be used at like YCS Speed Duel public events. If we just confuse the hell out of you because I know that it's hard to really like wrap your head around how limit one, two, and three works if you aren't used to dual links or something already, you can just look it up. Uh, I think Cardfight Vanguard has a similar uh, restriction system. But yeah, like I said, that's also why I don't think the TCG could really have a system like this because TCG runs so much deeper. The card pool is so much more like... There's just so much going on. It'll be really hard to have like that kind of thing. It could be useful for balancing, but I think that like imagine conveying it to, to new people. Here's how the ban list just works. Just trying to explain it like um, a few minutes ago, I struggled. I was like, man, how do I make this clear and concise where everyone knows? It, it's not that intuitive. It works. Yeah, it definitely works. It, it works for Speed Duel because Speed Duel's card pool is not big and it's like pretty, like this list is actually fairly short. That is the benefit of Speed Duels. Uh, it's a very controlled format. They, you know, this is how many cards get introduced at a given time, these are carefully like curated stacks of cards, and there's, there's a lot of reprints in here. So there's only a certain number of new cards they introduce every year, and uh, you know that lets them, you know, they don't have to make such a huge ban list if they just don't print the cards. Yeah, so um, if you're playing Speed Duel, it's definitely worth kind of checking out, particularly if you're playing it, playing to play it like as public events at YCSs. Keep yourself up to date on this sort of thing. You don't want to mm-hmm. be taken off guard. Next uh, new thing is that Master Duel currently has a new event that's happening. It's the uh, King of the Island event. So it's another one of these type-based events where it's uh, Beast, Beast Warrior, Wing Beast, Insect, and Reptile. Those are the five types that you're allowed to use. What would I use? What deck would you play, given the the rule set? (sighs) It's tough. I think Fire Fist? Yeah, that's one of the decks a lot of people have been using. So the reason I'm mentioning this event, it's a cool event. I think conceptually it's really good. But I'm actually, I brought it up because of some of the sentiment I've seen around it on like the Master Duel subreddit. Ever since somebody left a comment saying that I have Master Duel subreddit opinions or something or Master Duel brain rot, I have actually since, because, so for context, somebody left a comment a few weeks ago and they were like, Paul sucks because he just parrots Master Duel subreddit opinions. He has Master Duel brain rot or whatever. I don't know what exactly this person meant by that. But well, now way, we know because here you are. At the are. time, I was confused because I was like, I don't even like follow the Master Duel subreddit. But now I was like, you know what? I'll follow it and just see what people talk about on, on Reddit about Master Duel. It's about what you expect for the subreddit of a game. Memes, complaining, the works. But... um. People are talking about this new event because Konami was especially thorough this time around with really, like, limiting and banning crucial cards from, like, the decks you'd expect to run this event. So, you know, normally you would think, okay, well, this is going to be the Tri-Brigade event, right? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because typically in in events, like, they did the Fiend versus Fairy Festival um, just a few, like, maybe a month ago. And people were kind of upset because that was like right when Labyrinth had gotten their new line of support. And so it kind of just felt like, oh, this is just a Labyrinth event. Lab fest. Because they just kind of run the whole thing. Um, And it largely turned out to be the case. But um, typically they'll like kind of slightly nerf stuff. Like I think Labyrinth got like a couple small limitations. This time they went through and scorched the earth. 
I mean, like, Tri-Brigade Nerval is banned. Good. And Tri-Brigade Revolt is banned. Oh, wow. So two of their just best kind of car engine cards and stuff are completely, like, locked off from them. But you still have access to their Link Monsters? You do, but just it's... They're a lot more fair in that context. Right. And they the thing is, though, so you would think, okay, like, they'll maybe hit, like, Tri-Brigade and a few other heavy hitters. But actually, they went down the list and kind of just hit it all. So, you know, stuff like, like Zodiac's got some nerfs. Um, even, like, things like Ancient Warriors and Gladiator Beasts. I forgot all about Ancient Warriors yeah, and Gladiator Beasts. Warriors. Beasts. Yeah, a lot. Like, they really, you know, Melfi didn't even get access to Mary Melfi's, their synchro. Wow. They, that, it's like banned. I didn't know they had a synchro. It, you don't want it. It's a pretty good. It can be really annoying, at least in Sprite. Yeah, so like they really were very that thorough. Man, we just said at least in Sprite. Jesus. In Sprite, it's, it's annoying. In the Melfi deck, I'm sure it's fine. But yeah, so what people have been saying is that this event is a very low power level event because is no tanky deck is, legal? Yeah. Okay, thank God. No deck is really able to. There's not like a deck that you can steamroll with or that has like a super strong like turn. Wait one. for me to start doing fire fist combos. I mean, it's fire fist low. Hey, there's no ash <laughs> blossom here. That's our biggest weakness. True. So, yeah, you know, it's um basically it is a format where you really kind of have to grind it out. Like you just de- duels don't end in like one or two turns and there's not like a singular strongest deck. I mean, I think the strongest thing people have been able to really have a consensus on is like there's sort of a Liralusk OTK-esque thing that oh, people yeah, use. Oh, yeah, Liralusk, of course. And apparently B Trooper is pretty strong, too. I feel but, I wanted to say uh what are they called? The cat people deck. Lunalite? Lunalite. They should be Yeah, Lunalite and Liralusk, I think, are both I've heard are both they have like some kind of OTKs and things. But um even they I think got some slight nerfs. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I believe they did. So what's interesting about the event is that there are actually people who are like going like you'll queue up and like people will choose to go second of all things just to get the extra card. Because they're running a bunch of going second cards, and they're going to blow you away. No, they're not, though, because the thing is, there's not, like, big boards to break. You don't actually need to really be running, like, Dark Ruler no more, and, like, you know, all that stuff, because, like, it's a much slower-paced thing, and so this has been a, there's been a bit of a polarized effect there. Some people really like it, because it kind of feels like playing an older style of Yu-Gi-Oh! that's, like, a little closer to, like, an Edison format. I do like older Yu-Gi-Oh! Some people hate it. Some people are, they're just like, what the hell? Why can't I play my favorite decks? Why can't I play? Like, I want to be able to combo. I want a deck that kind of like steamrolls and gives me easy wins. And so it's been fun for me, at least, to see kind of that, you know, that disparity of like people who maybe are used to playing the fast Yu-Gi-Oh of today versus people who are kind of appreciating the slower change of pace. Obviously, you know, I kind of fall into the latter category. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a testament to Master Duel's ability to like give us the the chance to like experiment with alternative formats and lower power levels and that Konami can do it when they put their mind to like making the right kind of hits. So you say this is a good thing. I would argue yeah, I think that it is. All right, you heard him guys. Paul's the reason why you have to play a slow format now. That's my fault. Well, see, I was at the Konami offices, and I uh, told the developers, I was like, hey. Since, <laughs> Whispered since, in their ear. Yeah, since I'm able to make all the rules, here's what the next event's going to be. That's right, guys. That's the influence I have. <laughs> now we know. No. Um, but it's a cool event. Definitely give it a shot if you are interested. And also later this month, they're supposed to be doing the Xyz X Fusion mm-hmm. Festival. So that's something kind of cool, too. Um, 
So that's kind of the master duel update. Now, I think Duel Links, you said something's happening? What? Oh, like the KC Cup? Is that, yeah, that's like Yeah, a the KC Cup's been going on. I don't know when it officially ends, but this is your chance to just rank up, same rules as normal, just grind. Like that's the event. You grind until you hit a level, then you grind again for part two. I don't know. I don't know what it's exactly. It's like how the duelist cup works in Master Duel. Yeah, I don't know, remember exactly the, stage one, the stage two. dates for like the cutoff for stage one and stage two. Regardless, guys, grind be the best in your region. Yada yada yada. Um, strong decks right now. Yeah, what are because they? we've we've gotten new cards in Duel Links, and it's actually affected the meta quite a bit. So, <clears throat> tunes. Yeah, tunes are real. Yeah, that's Comic why I Hand read a bit can that. catch you. So they got Comic Hand, and uh, what they is got the other uh, card? Tomb Bookmark. Is that the is that the name of the card? Yeah, Tomb this, Bookmark. Like, kind of spell and they have Tune BLS. Yes, he can hurt oh, you too. Wow. Like <laughs> that. Tunes are annoying. They will beat you down. They'll take your cards. They'll they'll upset you. Um, not but not just tunes, not just tunes. Mm-hmm. I said BLS, right? Yeah. Because BLS, the actual deck itself, is also pretty like good. Yes. Okay. They got the the new uh, Black as a Soldier ritual monster that we got in Maze of Memories. Yeah, I forget what the, it's like. Ultimate Soldier, Soldier. The names are redundant. I couldn't tell soldier you. Soldier Chaos, something. Yeah. Regardless, it made no impact here. It has made quite an impact there. I think you only run it as a one of, but that's fine for that deck. It's pretty consistent. I mean, that's what you need to be. My assumption be. is that there's also probably some good skills for these. Oh, the skills are all nuts. I, I would have to pull them up and like read them. I don't feel like doing that because some these skills are fat paragraphs. Yeah, they're very loaded cards. Don't feel like doing all that. Um, some decks, some of the decks that you expect to be at the top are still at the top, like Odd Eyes and Destiny Heroes. Still solid stuff. But you do have to play with some of the newer decks in mind. Uh, Tenyi. I actually love the Tenyi deck. It's pretty much all worms. That's about as close to pure as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the other deck? I was surprised. Somebody told me Draco Berserker, the Tenyi. Oh, yeah. This, the in, new uh, Synchro in Links, is in there. Seems like that would be a really strong card. But It's quite strong. But then again, nowadays, Duel Links is at a pretty high power level itself. So Yeah, in Duel Links, you'll get your face beat in. And yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. The um, But Duel Links is at, a, is at a very high power level, and a lot of that is due to these very fat skills we're getting now. A lot of the skills are like anime-style skills. Like I read a, um, a Utopia skill that helps you summon oh, C39 Utopia Ray V. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. And it's if you don't know what that is, it's because you're a human. And you never would have played that bad card. But Duelings has been doing this thing where they're making crazy skills that are long and dense that enable you to very consistently and easily make boss monsters that no one's played before. <laughs> yeah, hmm. I uh, I always kind of find it funny when like Konami has to go out of their way and like kind of just do backflips with the, with writing these skills. To make them work. So it's just like a paragraph. When you do this, and when this happens, you can do this, except for this. But for the rest of the duel, like, you get to draw these cards and treat this card as this other card. And you know. There's kind of a formula to dueling skills and what makes a meta skill versus a not meta skill. Um, typically, the skill first, it outlines the scope. Your deck has to be kind of pure. Like, 
They don't want you combining these extremely powerful skills with just all the best cards in the game. So typically they'll say you have to run X number of performer pals or you have to be running this many uh, Utopia cards. Which I would say all your monsters thing. have to be like Blackluster Soldier cards or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's the first part of the skill. Then it's like, all right, check this out. So I'm either this skill will either put cards into your deck that you don't even have to own, that you can't, that no one can own, or it will materialize cards out of thin air to add to your hand, to add to your grave, like to add to your extra deck. Field. Yeah, isn't that like, I, I know you were telling me about the Toon World skill where it's just like you can discard a card just from hand. Actually, you return it to your deck. It's not really good. You, you like shuffle a card from your hand into the deck and it just kind of like material, like spawns a Toon World just like on your field now. You, just get, you get a Toon World. You yeah, know? it's not even like search from your deck. It's just like it is... You don't have to, you don't have to run that bad card. It will give you one. Just In addition to like whatever other good tune effects or something. And uh, they'll they'll oftentimes have some type of a continuous effect that can just trigger during the game to then give you some like a, some type of payoff. Some plus. You know what they actually remind me of when I was reading the tune one because I think it's also like you can you don't have to tribute to summon like high level tunes nope. and stuff. It actually reminds me a lot of like Kashtira Birth, the card. Because Kashtira Birth uh, in the TCG, so for my TCG people, you'll understand. Yeah, that's this, not in Duel Links yet. Or yeah. Master Duel or whatever. Is um, it really does read kind of like a custom card that like little Jimmy made in like, you know, the sixth grade or something. Like where it's just, it's this continuous spell that's just kind of loaded with good effects. And it just sits here and like, here's the passive, here's the active effect, and here's the other like sort of passive effect. And. It just kind of does like a little bit of everything for your deck. The type of card that they like slipping into those newer uh, Yu-Gi-Oh structure decks to beef up older archetypes. Yeah. It's Everyone the, the has a card like that. The everything card. Crystal Beast, Cyber Dragons. Yeah. They all so have some. In Duel Links, I think those are how the skills are designed. It's yeah. like, this is the kind of the one-man army of cards. The Swiss Army Knife, like it just... It will you like know. it will figure out the deck for you because I mean it will make all the old cards suddenly less awkward to run. Mm -hmm. It will speed things up. It will let you like summon things faster, and so it makes those decks powerful. Makes them makes them powerful and consistent. And during these these kind of laddering grind events, consistency is everything. You're going to play many many games as you rank up your dual level and whatnot. So you'd like to do that as quickly as possible. So it doesn't matter if this deck is a bit of a gla glass cannon. It doesn't matter if this deck doesn't have much flexibility. You need the deck to lock in that win quickly and move on to your next game. Yeah. It um, kind of reminds me a little bit of how like I once thought it'd be cool to have like skill cards in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! But then I was like, no, there's just too much to keep up with already. Like... It's skill cards in the like, speed duels right now are, are still pretty like easy to kind of process and understand. But even those are getting a little bit Make mistakes. longer. So, so we don't need to like an, another thing to add into yeah, the mix. In every format of Yu-Gi-Oh, we have enough text. We don't need any more text. So, are you <laughs> going to be playing in this cup of Duel Links, or are you just kind of nah, waiting for a rush? I'm chilling. Stuff? Yeah, see, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh Sevens Edition to uh, Duel Links. That's at the end of this month, I something like that. Or is it? I know it's supposed to be coming like soon. That's all like, I've heard. So. I think we're waiting for more information. I think there'll okay. be some like sneak peeks or yeah, something. Yeah, they announced it, and I guess we'll find out more soon. Uh, I think that's like all of the major you guess. And there's been a lot of support and stuff for things that's been announced. That's true. We had the uh, what was that uh, Phantom Nightmare reveals? Yeah, some Phantom Nightmare reveals. 
One that stood out to me was the new Sephira and Seravis ritual the, uh, monsters. Silent Force, whatever that's going to be yeah. translated into. It's like kind of based on that old ritual monster. Oh, I couldn't its tell name. you its name. Guardian of something. Yeah, it's got the, like the ritual spell was Novak's prayer. That's yeah. what I remember. And so they basically made like monster, like human kind of forms of Seravis and. Safira, but then also the the girl who is like wearing the who red cloak on Novak's prayer, and, and she's on Sprite's blessing and him mm-hmm. of light, at least in or the environment. She's in the artwork or whatever. Uh, yeah, she's a card now. It's like kind of a light ritual dragon slash warrior strategy that is it's really cool. Um, if you're into, if you ever thought like Seravis and uh, Safira were interesting cards, they're literally getting an archetype now, and you can wrap it all together in one deck. Also, there's new Magic Specter support on the horizon. Oh yeah, that stuff was pretty exciting. That, it looked fun because uh, they they were marrying it with the Draco the, the uh, pen, Draco Pendulum stuff, so you can run those cards together. Right. You know, I uh, actually played Magic Specter back when it first came out. I, I thought remember. it was really fun. I was very annoyed. Yeah, it can be a really annoying deck, but certainly it never really was able to see like top level like kind of representation. The cards fundamentally are just weak monsters without actual effects on their own. It's fairer than it seems. But, um, you know, they can be, like, a little annoying because they have, like, spells and traps that kind of disrupt. So, and like, this but new Mad stuff Spectre gives Kieran's it a lot has been more. banned for so long now. Yeah, so that's kind of the conversation right now is people are thinking, well, with all this stuff, does that mean that they're going to, you know, put Kieran to one on maybe the next ban list or the one right before Phantom uh, Nightmare? I would say... Yeah, I think, I think it it's would be fine. Okay. Like Kieran is a potentially one more intera- uh, interruption your opponent can use on you, but I don't know. It's I don't think Yu-Gi-Oh. it. I don't like, think it enables so anything more. Yeah. It will be just one piece over another piece. Your opponent was going to put up that that interaction with you anyway. It can yeah. be, but it it could have been anything. It didn't have to be Kieran. Yeah, like I think that maybe the biggest issue people have is like the Pendulum Soup decks can be annoying, kind of to the opponent because they aren't. You know, they usually end on, like, the Mythical Beasts or, and then, you know, like, the Endymion stuff, and then, they're, you know. You know what else is annoying to your opponent? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Link. You know yeah. what else is annoying? No, exactly. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> with you. Yeah, I, I, I get you. Like, Everything's as far annoying. as I'm concerned, like, I think Pendulum as a mechanic, and this is coming from somebody who does not, you know, I don't really play Pendulum decks. I've only played, like, one in my whole life. The mechanic doesn't speak to me very much, but I think that they are a, a, an, a mechanic in desperate need of some help. Like, yeah, like, like pendulums, they're struggling out here. Like, I mean, there's so much counterplay to pendulums. There's so many ways to pop spells and traps. There's like the commitment of having to get the scales going. It can be bricky. Anti-spell fragrance actually just straight up does not allow them to function. You can call pendulums kind of a high risk, high reward strategy, even more so than your typical combo deck. Yeah. I mean, and I know they struggle as a control deck because they just have more pieces of like interaction you can kind of blow up. I know a lot of people's opinions of them are kind of colored by their early release. Like, you know, the whole, oh my God, like they're turning, you know, they're monsters slash spells. That's so confusing. Yu Gi Oh's gone to the dogs. Or people who have PTSD from Pepe. Yeah, which, understandable, that deck was kind of nuts. But I do think people need to realize like Pendulum got heavily nerfed in Master Roll 4. And then when they did the Master Roll 4 revision, they didn't get any like never recovered recovery from that, so they still have to have like link arrows and beyond the pendulum helps, but then like electromite's still banned. It's it's a very and master duel they have both and it's still and even in master duel like even with both they're they're just one of the 
sort of playable decks right now, like sort of. So, yeah, I I would not mind seeing this new Magic Specter support, and I would not mind Kieran coming back to one. So. I definitely wouldn't mind. I miss my buddy Kieran. I used to play it with my old Odd Eyes deck. Yeah, so I will definitely be giving that stuff a look when it comes out. And they also have they announced anything else? They feel like um, scant little like kind of one off. I know. J- yesterday we saw new like white aura cards, like uh, white mm-hmm. aura porpoise and two white fishes. Yeah, I, I will say I think that Age of Overlord and um, Phantom Nightmare are shaping up to be pretty solid sets. I can't wait to play the new Ubel stuff. Yeah, they're shaping up to actually be sets that feel. Uh, you know, game changing. Taking all the Neo Spatians out my deck, and it's going to be a Neos <laughs> Ubel deck. You don't like your brookie old Neo Spatians from two thousand and seven? It's been fun, but it's all about Ubel and Neos now. Yeah, I mean, I think that these two sets are going to be fun for casuals and fun for competitive, and that's really cool. Also, one last shout out too to Konami for this new trend of going back. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. You, you, who are, you, who are you giving showing credit for? What? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to ever compliment yeah, Konami. Stop shilling. Jeez. That's true. Somebody somebody in the comments said I'm a Konami apologist. Oh, I, was, I read that. Oh, I'm but also I've been told like I'm way too negative about you and I complain too much. So either it's like I don't know which one I am. But the point is Look, all you this this I will break it down for you. What you need to do is you have to hate Konami, but show them some love sometimes. Uh you gotta love Yu-Gi-Oh, but also criticize it and uh yeah, that's yeah. it. That's fair enough. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is I think uh, I, I really like that they've been doing this weird trend of like going back to old ritual monsters and like vanilla monsters and just turning them into archetypes That's or like true, making archetypes we have around the, them. Uh, which hasn't, it's not out yet, but we have the uh, memento archetype, which is a bunch of old monsters being like kind of just turned into reimagined. Yeah. Because it's hard to even call these um, like retrains. They're just inspired. <laughs> yeah, they're like, like completely different. <laughs> There's also, um, I mean, even Nouvelle's used Hungry Burger. Yeah, but that's literally Hungry Burger. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, like, they just turned it into kind of a thing. I never finished that deck. So, yeah, uh, you probably should. It's probably very cheap. Yeah, I still kind of want to. So, yeah, I don't know. Shout out to them for that. I think that's a cool kind of flavor thing and a good throwback for players who just remember these very old, very bad cards. Yeah. Especially us. Like, we played Rare Hunters, so we've, like, kind of been we have a recent experience with all these old cards yeah, we've been through the ringer of like pulling trash ass vanillas that just are like level seven and have like 2000 attack and just aren't anything ritual like no monsters effects. with less than 2000 attack like don't have effects yeah it's fusion monsters that are weaker than their materials <laughs> yeah it's it's oh really was like such a struggle so what that was it's the wild west those packs were crazy it's actually, it is funny. It reminds you just how much, like, people like to kind of glorify old Yu-Gi-Oh, right? And it, don't get me wrong, like, it, it's a great time. But also, there is, like, the unspoken kind of dirty truth of it, which is that... We don't talk about firegrass. A lot, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the dirty truth of it is, there is some just truly shit. Like, we don't talk vanillas. about Metabat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These, these old vanillas sandwich. <laughs> Talk about them. You refuse to make sandwich. Yeah, you know? At least sandwich is a meme, but the or rest of them are hot. Musician King, Bruh, man. Twin long rods, though. Yeah, so it's there are some old bad cards. <laughs> Horrible. Like, it's funny people like look at old. You can like Breaker the Magical Warrior and like Exiled Force and Goblin Attack Force. No, 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 no. You weren't pulling those. Those are foils. <laughs> like 
there, I remember in Rare Hunters playing Beaver Warrior, and that was one of my stronger cards. Yeah, back in like the, <laughs> the very early episodes, like Beaver Warrior's got the most attack you're gonna get. So. Like, because you were playing around with monsters at 750 attack, and it's like, what is going on? Yeah, it was rough. It was rough around the edges. But it is cool that Konami kind of revisits some of this stuff and gives it a little bit of new life. Yeah, they think- need to retrain Beaver Warrior. That needs to happen. I'm very shocked it hasn't. Especially because they have like nimble beaver. We need a beaver archetype. Oh, okay. All right. One last quick thing. This isn't like really news, but have you seen the new like prize mats? There's a new Time Wizard prize mat for like Time Wizard public events. That has a super nimble mega hamster on it. What does it have to do with Time Wizard? It's a big card in Edison. Oh, you mean Time Wizard format? Like oh, sorry. Yeah, Time Wizard. Okay. Format. Not this Time Wizard, by the way. Shout outs to uh, San Diego Comic Con. They released this Time Wizard alarm clock that I'm holding here. If you're an audio only listener, sorry, you'll have to go check out the video. Uh, yeah, this came out at San Diego Comic Con. I wasn't able to go. Shout outs to my friend Sleepy Gibbs. She picked it up for me because she was at the event. Anyways, though. I'm sitting here thinking, what? <laughs> yeah, but anywho, um, yeah, they, there's a new Time Wizard format public events prize mat. Okay. That's Super Nimble Mega Hamster. However, another new win mat is the Libromancer mat. and I did see the Libromancer. Okay, so you did see it. Mm-hmm. If I remember to, I'll put an image of it on screen. Forgive me if I forget. These are really long to edit. But if I don't, just look it I up. I think, was it that Libromancer awesome. Origin? I think it's Origin. I know yeah. it's like, it's the, the main character guy, and he's in the middle, and then like, the two forms of him are like on the sides. Because I think it's supposed to. That's I, I. don't remember if that was the the comic book character that's on the artwork of that card, or if it's the fuse version of Geek Boy with the comic book character. I can't remember. Yeah. So some cool mats. Like definitely really neat stuff. Um. Is that everything Yu Gi Oh? That might be everything Yu Gi Oh. Okay. We we spent a while on Yu Gi Oh today, yeah. but there's just a lot to say. I mean, I mean, where were Yu Gi Oh players? I wouldn't be surprised. That's fair. All right, so now I guess the actual stories of the day. That's a yeah. We have uh, I have I have a, I have a few. I have a few. Got, yeah, I think magic related. I do. So I guess we got to start with the elephant in the room. Magic community mourns Sheldon Maneri, creator of the beloved Commander format. So um, he actually passed away after battling with cancer mm. for several years. Um, and yeah. Uh, so let me, I'll just read it. Um, let's see. Yeah, Sheldon Maneri, the creator of Commander, Magic the Gathering's most popular style of play, has died following a seven-year battle with cancer. The announcement was made Friday, this is like last Friday, morning on Facebook where his wife, Gretchen Meld, said that he passed away peacefully. The sad news has been followed by kind words and condolences from across the tabletop industry, and we will be joining them this week on The Pot of Greed. I, um, you know... I am not a Magic the Gathering player, or at least certainly not an active one, but I think far and away, it is like undisputable that when you hear of like about like trading card games, or someone wants to get you into a trading card game, or you go to your shop, the number one like format played is Magic Commander. The right, I I feel like I mean it's, it can't be understated his impact. On the, the the game of Magic the Gathering and the community, the the Commander format transformed, and you could argue that it saved, saved Magic. Magic. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. He's like, he's like a hero for the entire game. Yeah, it's actually a little insane when you think of like I know now, like kind of like <laughs> trying to I'm trying to like kind of put this like into like articulate it. So. This person 
you know, made a format that now the parent company has kind of like integrated as like a standard like way of playing. They market it. They make mm-hmm. products specifically about it. It is the gateway point for Magic the Gathering for the majority of people. And just that's just wild to me. It's very impressive. Like it's when people at your card shop say like, hey, you want to try out Magic? They're, they're talking about Commander. Often. There's like usually card shops will have like two different nights. There might be like kind of their modern night or whatever it is. But like Commander Night is typically the big thing, right? So very much, it's become a part of the culture. You that you can't understate the effect that he had on that game, and uh, I think we all hope to be able to affect our favorite franchises and games in a similar manner. You can't always; it, it doesn't really work out that way. But I think everyone should aspire to. If like if you love something, whether it's Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, or any other card game, try to keep it alive in spite of itself, you know? In whatever ways you can. Commander is a multiplayer format of Magic, which is originally designed as a strictly two-player game. It allows three or more players using unique 100-card decks and a singular leader character to enjoy a more casual style of gameplay. The format is known for its sense of creative expression, with players concocting all manner of clever uses for existing mechanics, including Maneri's own signature deck titled You Did This to Yourself, which turns opponents' cards into weapons to be used against them. So, um, yeah, I I think it's just, that's really cool. A little bit more on, on him and his creation of the format. So, Maneri, speaking with Polygon in 2020, where I'm reading this article from, discussed the birth of the Commander format in detail. He said that it grew out of the Elder Dragon Highlander, or EDH format, I hear a lot about that, a variation to which he was introduced during his time at Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. Later, during his time as a high-ranking judge on the Magic Pro Tour, Maneri would further refine this EDH variant, expanding its potential for creative deck building and laying the groundwork for what would become the format's governing body, the Commander Rules Committee, of which he remained an active member until his death. So, um, talk about lifelong commitment. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's just, it, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit actually of, in a sad way, I guess, Kazuki Takahashi's passing is from like, you know, mm-hmm. last year. So it's a person who made a thing that so many people really love. Yeah. So even me, a non magic player, I can, you know, I can just say I think this is a very, very impactful person. So, yeah, my condolences to his family. Um, and I is there any other magic stuff happening? Actually, I did have some. I did have another magic story. Okay, this one surprised me. I didn't actually know that this happened at all. Uh, the title reads: Smite introduces another Magic: The Gathering collaboration skin. Oh, okay. There's I didn't know there was a okay. Magic and Smite collaboration. I don't know if you're not Smite familiar. is the... Uh, so, Smite is like a... Uh, it's a MOBA, I believe? It's like a MOBA hero shooter, but they're all like deities. Okay. Zeus, Poseidon, you know, that, right. type, of, that type of mythology, mythological stuff. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, after, the success, after the success of their crossover event with Magic the Gathering earlier this year, Hyrule Studios and Titanforge Games have another new skin released based on one of the cards for Smite. Players will be able to obtain the Garrick or Garuk. I think it's supposed to be Garrick, but Garuk just sounds right to me. Uh, Garuk, the Wild Speaker skin, which is set for character Chalk. 
not sure if that's how it's pronounced, either by directly purchasing it or by rolling it in their recently released Magic the Gathering chest. Ooh, I love love chance-based things. Yeah, I know. You're a sucker for it. The chest also contains skins from from the previous event. While it may not be another new event, this does continue the game's continuing relationship with crossover brands. Uh, they did Avatar and V Shoujo. You know, Magic really does do a lot of crossovers, huh? Magic gets around. Well, that, that was about Smite, but um, oh, yeah, cause, yeah, Smite's doing it, but I mean, still, they seem to be pretty willing to do it. Like it's a two-way street, yeah, for for Magic. I mean, there, I would think there's probably some uh, like. Overlap between uh, a lot of on phone. There's probably some overlap between Smite players and Magic players, mm-hmm. and so you know, combine the two, you spread out. That's a good collaboration. Yeah, and it's a pretty like you know low octane one. Like it's not you know anything major, but it's mm-hmm. still really cool if you play either one. You can just kind of have a little bit of a, a crossover. Uh, you know, being a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast, we always got to sort of bring it back to Yu-Gi-Oh in some way. I really do feel like. Konami misses out sometimes in not allowing a little bit more Yu-Gi-Oh crossover. I know they got the that one like puzzle game, like Puzzles and Dragons or whatever. Yeah, it's Puzzles called. and Dragons and They're the baseball game collab uh, with that. What was it called? I forget the name. Power Pro. Yeah, Power Pro. I mean, you know, and, and I think that's kind of more like a Japanese. Sort Especially of since thing. Power Pro is owned by Konami, I believe. So it's is it yeah. really a crossover? Yeah, I was gonna say like, I was to talk Jump Force, but that's like just owned by Shueisha. So of course, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh could appear in that. Yeah, I always feel like Yu-Gi-Oh needs to either appear elsewhere, like give us the Fortnite skin or something. Or come on, you know. man, I love Fortnite. Let me, I just want to shoot people with Yugi. Yeah, that sounds so awful out of context. They can put. They can have a dark magician or a blue eyes card in game that when you obtain it, you summon it and it attacks. Yeah, and it's not shooting them with a gun. It's like white white lightning attack, all attacks or something. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool crossover. Well, um, speaking of card games, I think we should also talk about Disney Lorcana. They so doing? they're getting their second set. Um, I never got any of the first. The second set. set of the Disney Lorcana trading card game titled Rise of the Floodborne will release in local game stores on November seventeenth and mass market retail stores on December first. Um, a limited edition Disney 100 edition collection will be available at all stores on December 1st. So um, I know it's supposed to be adding Honey Wizard, Honey, Winnie the Pooh. Like, it's like kind of oh, okay. I was alias. like, what is a Honey Wizard? <laughs> yeah, like Honey Wizard version, I guess, of Winnie the Pooh and more. So um, Winnie the Pooh was ruined for me in high school when a kid wanted to prove that Rule 34 was real. That's a nice bit of Winnie the Pooh history to have. Um, but yeah, so I know some people, I saw like an image of a new play mat that there, that there's going to be, um, I don't want to see it. So, yeah, I mean, I remember Chris sent me the story actually just to kind of talk about, and it seems like Lorcana is, it's chugging along, you know, like second set with these newer car game releases, typically the second set that actually see that fixes the, um, supply issues of the first, whether that be. They need to get more supply out or the extreme demand has dies down. I'm actually not sure that'll be the case here. Yeah, something kind of cool about uh, Lorcana is that I heard this just recently. I didn't know. I was like watching a, a pack opening or something. If watching shops, one pack opening? Like they opened well, it was like pack? on a Simply Unlucky binge or something. Oh, and okay. I just kind of ran across the Lorcana video he had done. But he was saying how card shops, if they were caught selling 
So if they were allocated like Lorcana products, like starter decks and packs mm-hmm. and stuff, if they were caught selling those like online, then they would be like barred from getting future Lorcana product, which I thought was a really good sort of safety measure to help, you know, mitigate like scalping. just scalping and like shops, like not actually selling the product to their local scenes or communities, but instead just hopping online, selling structures for like $35 a pop and just right. making a big profit. So I thought that was a really good thing for Ravensburger to do. Um, and I honestly think, I mean, more places should maybe be doing like Pokemon and stuff like they have that problem sometimes with magic shops. doesn't have an MSRP. Yeah. then there's that. <laughs> so anyways, uh, here are the rise of the floodborne products rise of the floodborne. will have new booster packs, starter decks, Illumineers, troves, playmats, card sleeves, and deck boxes. Uh, there's a slideshow gallery, but basically, Rise of the Floodborne booster packs will sell for $5.99. There will be two new starter decks featuring um, cards from Rise of the Floodborne. One will be Amber slash Sapphire. I guess those Ooh. are like kind of how the colors go. Like there's like colors, I believe. Oh, okay. So Amber slash Sapphire spotlighting the Queen and Gaston. And the other will be Amethyst slash Steel. Um, with Merlin and Tiana. Oh, those are cool combinations. So it looks one like seems one sounds like villains, and the other one, I guess, like protagonist. Oh, Merlin and Emerald will be left out this time. They will retail for sixteen ninety nine each. Um, the new Illumineers Trove. Try getting them for sixteen ninety nine each. That might be a little harder. Will feature Rise of the Floodborne cards and cost forty nine ninety nine. Troves from the first chapter contained eight booster packs, two deck boxes, fifteen game tokens, a player's guide, and a storage box. So that's their version of like an elite trainer box. Yeah, that's that's the vibe I get. And then new playmats are $19.99, and they feature Beast and Winnie the Pooh. So those are the playmats that people were talking about. Cursed images. New card sleeves are $9.99, and deck boxes $5.99, featuring Mulan and Sisu from Raya. Yo, the Mulan movie is one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Eddie Murphy's Mushu, while culturally insensitive, was a hit. And The Last Dragon, so... Um, yeah, you know, here's something kind of interesting about Lorcana. I thought you were the, talking about Eddie Murphy. I wasn't going to indulge, but... Um, <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, you know. It's Mulan, actually, I I remember watching a lot of Disney movies, like, in school as a kid. I was just never much of, like, a Disney kid, like, at home. Like, they, we didn't have very many of the movies Played the Disney VHS, I mean, the, the Mulan VHS on repeat at home. Soundtrack was fire. <sighs> um... Oh, that takes me back. Something that I was going to say was that um, it's interesting seeing, you know, I guess because they got that Disney money, they're doing like the whole nine yards of like of card products and accessories. Yep. Like very early out the gate, like they're selling you sleeves. They're selling you deck boxes. They're selling you play mats. Everything you need like, to get into the game. It's everything you need to get in, but it's also kind of it's a little bit trickier than that. There's kind of a world where Lorcana could be your only card game if it was your first game. Like, you know how when you play card games, you'll typically get your accessories as, like, Ultra Pro sleeves or Dragon Shield sleeves or whatever, right? Okay, I see what you mean. And, like, you know, maybe you'll get a custom mat from someplace. But they're kind of keeping it all walled garden. Like, if At least aesthetically. Yeah, aesthetically walled. Like, obviously, you can, you know, do whatever you want. But it's kind of one of those things where, like, if a kid was playing, you know, Lorcana for the first time, their parents, like, maybe if they've never played a card game before and they're introducing their kid to this, the kid can, like, fully deck out their deck. So yeah. now it's like, you know, I've got my Elsa deck in my Elsa sleeves on my Elsa mat. 
in my Elsa deck box. And like, it's all first party, you know, let it go. Like you can be like fully immersed in that. Right. And it's interesting because like Yu-Gi-Oh has all of that too. And like magic and stuff, they make that stuff, but they weren't always doing it. Like for a long time, Yu-Gi-Oh. We like, didn't have a lot of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh accessories or Yu-Gi-Oh branded items at all. Yeah, it's so like now they have like the deck boxes and the binders and stuff, but it's that's a newer development from Konami over just maybe the last few years. So I think it's cool, and it seems very like a a, a very conscious design decision mm-hmm. where they almost are keeping you mentally like Lorcan is the only game that exists. It's like the only game it's you need. All there is. So um. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like a cool strategy, and it, it shows. It shows there's definitely got like the the supply chain thing like down. Like you know, we're we're getting everything released. Hey, so. That's how you successfully launch and keep a game rolling. So, I respect it. I will say, I was I I still have not been able to get a Lorcana structure deck. Larry and Trell have found them in places around like our city, but every time I either try to get them or hear about it, they're like sold out. So that's because you don't you don't try and move until after ten a.m. You got early bird gets the worm that's like when Target opens. You do you want Lorcana or not? At 10 you line up at six a.m. I don't want to get shot like the people in Pokemon <laughs> in the Pokemon <laughs> Y'all do not get that serious over Lorcana. No one needs to die. People. Like there's like a story about people getting like, shot over those Pokemon cards. Hercules movie isn't real. We can't go down to Hades and like barter for your soul. It doesn't work that way. And the Yu-Gi-Oh, you can. Well, yeah. There's, there's so. no Shadow Realm either. So I don't know. Yeah, shout out to Larkana. I will try my best to maybe pick up these new decks if I can't get my hands on the old ones. So, I mean, I want to actually like give it a crack. Everything I've heard about it has been pretty positive. It's supposed to be a pretty simple, accessible thing, and so. It's all about me getting the packs. It's tough for me to get into a new card game, so for me to even be that interested is... That's a fact. Probably as good as it's going to get. Any other stories? Card game stuff in particular, if you got any. My bad. I had the uh, soundtrack from Mulan stuck in my head. Uh, uh, you ever heard that one song with Stevie? What? No, I'm not going to get into all that, but y'all know. Uh, so, <clears throat> this is kind of like a gag post. But there was a Pikachu card sold on Facebook Marketplace. Okay. Uh, it was listed for over uh, like 285 pounds, which I don't know what a pound is. I know, yeah. I know it's a type of currency. I just don't know the, cur- the conversion. Oh, well, so I don't know how to, much yeah. that would be. But anyway, this 285-pound Pikachu card, um, not weight, uh, monetary value, at least that's what it's being sold for, it, uh, it has a unique autograph. Okay. To justify the price. Okay. It's signed by Pikachu. What does that mean? That's what the listing the listing says. This Pikachu card is signed by Pikachu, and I'll show by you a the picture. Voice of actor. I'll sh- I'll show you. Okay. Remind me. I need to put this up. On this the it's so big, they can. sold this on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, what the hell! <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so for for audio only people, let's explain. So they someone took what looks to be a ballpoint pen and just into this uh, this very regular Pikachu card, wrote in fairly decent penmanship, Pikachu. But I think they made a mistake spelling the like the U at the end because they kind of went over it much darker, damaging the card. So, this so looks you like could a read kid it. Literally writing on a card, like that's what it looks like to me. Yes, 
and then and they, they put it online to sell it for like I guess what maybe roughly like two hundred fifty bucks or something. I'm guessing that is hilarious. And that's it's like, why? Like the, oh, description. Mint condition signed one of one Pikachu signed by Pikachu met Pikachu at footy and I believe footy is like is soccer for people who let's call it that. Okay, that definitely must be like a not American thing. How can it be mint condition if they dug into it to write the U? Did I ever tell you that story about uh, the guy who like marked his cards because he was tired of them getting stolen? Oh, I, I know the story. I don't okay. know if I mean, you told them the that podcast. Story. Yeah, so when I was in like maybe seventh grade, I want to say, um, we kind of were getting back into Yu-Gi-Oh. Like I kind of got out of Yu-Gi-Oh around maybe third grade or something, third or fourth grade, and I hadn't played in like a good, you know, four or five years. And so, um, you know, I was like kind of starting to get back into it. And there's a group of friends and stuff. And there's one guy who had a lot of cards, um, a lot of rare cards, actually. And he would bring them inside like a giant duffel bag. So like just raw, no, no, no raw cards. Yeah, no, no protection. Oh, my gosh. These were just like imagine just a full duffel bag of just cards. Your friend, I think, might have been a serial killer. His name was Blake, I think. But um, look up, look him up in in databases. Yeah. Yeah. So he really nice guy or whatever. Pretty good at Yu-Gi-Oh, too. At least, you know, as far as like seventh, eighth grade kids can be. But um, anyway, he uh got tired of people like stealing his cards like apparently people would like steal a few of his rare cards it's not or, hard on this in a duffel bag or maybe he would like something about trading well anyway he was like okay i'm going to mark these cards so that like all my cards are like identifiable and so he did it by putting a dot on the cards by like getting a pin and like dig is kind of just making a large dot oh my god like in the corner of the card it Oh my god! Like it just makes me have a mental meltdown. How much just destroying the value? I mean, he had a few like old school kind of rare things. He wouldn't have, like at the time we didn't really see them as like that. But yeah, and like he was just his like, destroying his cards. Blue eyes. I, well, I specifically remember we had a Raigeki that he did that too. Which this is a time when Raigeki was not like an easy card to get. I think it was also banned. But you know, we, again, we were kids just playing with whatever. Uh, blue eyes cards and stuff that he'd done that too. I think there was a. Chaos Emperor Dragon that he had. Oh, uh, yeah. There were all kinds of things. He's ruining the value back of that in the stuff. Day, what? It was only printed in Invasion of Chaos at the time. Yeah. That would have so. been like a, that was a real Chaos Emperor Dragon. Right. So it, that was uh, kind of what he was about. And oh, it, Lord. yeah. So it's this Pikachu signed by Pikachu reminds me. I just, I just love that they had to go over the U to really make sure you could read it. Yeah, it looks His mate condition card. Um, so you gonna pick it up? Yeah, I think I'll I'll I'll, I'll put in my bid for the. I'm sure it's already sold. Pikachu. There's probably somebody that wants that for their collection. I'll I'll put in my bid. <laughs> gonna write on your own Pikachu now. Um, speaking of like Nintendo kind of properties, this is vaguely trading card news. Super Mario Bros. Wonder, uh, the new you know game that's coming out I think next month, okay. getting exclusive Walmart trading card set. I don't understand. Super Mario Bros. Wonder is just over a month away from release, and pre-order bonuses for the Nintendo Switch game are starting to be unveiled. Shortly after GameStop's promotion was announced, whatever that was, Walmart has revealed an exclusive trading card set. Those who pre-order the game from the retailer will receive a pack, which will have 10 cards in total. These cards will be randomly selected from a set of 15 base cards, 4 hollow foil cards, and a limited edition Elephant Mario card, numbered 1 to 1,000. What an interesting way to get it on the card game craze without really getting into it. Yeah, so this is like a 
a set of, so it's like 10 cards out of a pool of a total of like 20. And one in particular okay. is like kind of the chase lottery card. And, you know, if you get maybe the number one or the number 1000 Mario or like, you know, people will probably, there'll probably be value for like getting the 666 one or the 420 I, I one. I hope people don't go ham trying to collect it. But at the same time, I get it. I mean, if you're a huge Mario fan, I mean, it's probably a move you might make. According to Walmart, less than 3% of buyers will receive the Elephant Mario hollow foil. So it should be pretty rare. Less than 3%, but not 1%. Yeah, so I guess it'll just probably like the different characters from the game and maybe some of the enemies. Um, as for the ho hollow foil cards, okay, actually, there's a list of this stuff. So players will have a massive list of playable characters to choose from, including mm -hmm. Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy, Toadette, Blue Toad, Yellow Toad, Yoshi, Red Yoshi, Yellow Yoshi, Light Blue Yoshi, and Nabbit. That seems like such a cop out. It's anyway, a lot of it's a lot of Yoshi's. From Walmart's promotional art, all of the playable characters will receive a card with the four Yoshi's sharing one card oh, and the two okay. toads appearing on another. Okay, good. All right, good. I, I was, was just saying, that was, that's a lot of Yoshi. Your pack is four <laughs> Yoshi's. <laughs> the rest of the base cards will center on new villains: Bullrush, Trotten Piranha Plants, and Hoppo, as well as citizens of the Flower Kingdom like Prince Florian, Poplin, and a Talking Flower, and a Superstar. As for the hollow foil cards, they'll include Castle Bowser, Wander Bowser Jr., Wubba Mario, and Ooh. I think that's one of his power-up forms in the game, and the Goomba power-up. All in all, the set does a nice job highlighting some of the cooler new aspects of Super Mario Bros. Wonder should be a really nice incentive. Unfortunately, the nature of the packs will make it very difficult for Nintendo fans to acquire the whole set, requiring that they either purchase multiple copies of the game, because you think about it, you only Ooh. get one. Which, yeah, or find the cards on the infamous secondary market once they've they'll been be released. They'll be expensive. At least if, if you pull the hollows, they'll be, they'll be selling so, high. Interesting. Uh, you gonna I, pick it up? You going to pick it up? You going to pick it up? I mean, I'm planning on picking up the game. I wasn't planning on pre-ordering it pre at Walmart. Pre-order it. Pre-order it. But maybe I will. We have, have, we have a Walmart. There's a Walmart everywhere. That's In fact, true. you should pre-order it from two different Walmarts. I mean, honest opinion, what do you think? I mean, I think it's fine-ish. Like, I mean, I get it. The card game boom is really cool, and you know, everybody wants to collect things. I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah, it seems I don't love it. It seems inoffensive enough. Although, like, we know the secondary market's gonna have a field day with it, just because, like, and I hate feeding vendors. It's you know, it's a thing. However, I mean, if there really are only, if you're only able to get it by pre-ordering the game, I don't know that it's something that can be that heavily scalped like you could obviously like scalp a few of them but at some point it's like you know you've got to like what you're gonna do like pre-order like a hundred copies of it because that's I mean, still like 60 bucks it's a lot but what someone could do is they could pre-order a bunch of copies get their copies and then sell the copies at a loss that's to probably recoup what some of their do. money back. Yeah. Like, Don't give them ideas out. They already thought of it. I know. Like, yeah, someone's they, they already, article, someone's already, already moving on that. Like, if I'm saying it, someone's thought of it already. I very much hope that the way that you get the packs is like kind of a sealed thing. Like it should be sealed inside of like kind of the game case and everything. Because if it's like separate from that, then there's going to be like the you know story that happens with everything where like there's some Walmart employee in the back who just. Like swiped, you know. I would hope we're past that so. point. No, we're not. No, like that. Companies have learned that you can't trust Walmart oh, employees. Oh, yeah, I mean, you can't trust any. Like, you just you can't. It's not even a Walmart employee specific thing. It's just people will do that no matter where they yeah, are. Like, that's it, just, true. It, it sucks. I, I remember. I think I pulled something like that with a uh, 
with like a comic book once and I felt so bad. I went back like a couple of days later. To oh, like you worked at book. like the place where they were. I didn't work there, but I saw like there was a like code on a comic book that, and I was like, oh, this code, I can use it. And so I snatched it Then I felt bad. So I went back and I bought it because, and this was my reasoning was this. If somebody went behind me and bought that comic book with the intention of, of using that code, or even if they didn't want to use the code, I didn't want someone to buy that book and find out the code was already used. Yeah, I know. I Listen, I, I'm i not, like, trying to sound like a goody two-shoes here or whatever, but the feeling of someone else being screwed over like that always just, just melts me. Like, I can, I just can never do stuff like that. It, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Paul could never scam. No, well, okay. Listen, all I'm saying is I, I hate the feeling that, like, someone... Especially if it's like a kid or somebody, you can't if control like someone who be. comes like just behind you and they pick this up and you know they're excited about like getting this code and then like it's been ruined for them. That's the the, the thought just breaks me. So I, I can never. I mean, I never really thought about doing that anyway. But I just, I always hate the idea that that can happen. I'm reminded a lot of the old days where. Like, you know, there were Yu-Gi-Oh! manga cards and stuff. How could I forget? God, you go into, like, a Books A Million, a Barnes & Noble, you know. All the cards. Again. Insert bookstore here. And people just tear, just rip and tear those, like, hollow cards out of those manga volumes. I've seen damaged, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! manga where, where people were just careless about how they were getting those cards. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a thing, so. I remember a Shonen Jump volume where, I don't know, I don't know how it even happened. A piece of the card was still in there. A piece of it? A piece of the card. Oh, like, like, like an old shred I don't know. Of, oh. Yeah, I don't know how they did it because I remember correctly, the cards were in like their own little booster pack. But somehow, they just kind of ripped and there was like a corner Okay. in the book, oh. just in a crease. Yeah, so at any rate, uh, don't do that. Yeah. You know, if you, you know. can help it, obviously, I guess they don't, I don't even know if they're doing manga cards anymore. But uh, anything like that, I would advise you not to. And maybe pick up anymore. Super Mario Bros. Wonder and get yourself some Mario trading cards. Hey, yeah, could be the move. See what you pull. Maybe you'll get one of the rare elephant Marios. So I played a new card game recently. Did you? Yeah. Um, I played Marvel Snap. No, uh, actually I played the, uh, I guess, what some people call the Marvel Snap Killer. I played... <laughs> DC Comics, uh, what's it? I'm gonna get the name correct. Your new mobile card game. Yeah, mobile is a bit of a stretch. Uh, DC Dual Force. Okay. Uh, I have not heard about this. Yeah, I think I think I want to say I heard something about this game maybe months ago, but then nothing ever since. And I, then I completely forgot about it. Well, yesterday I saw a Facebook ad for it, and I was like, oh, I have a Facebook podcast. advertising up. works. Interesting. I had a pod coming up. I'll try out this uh, this free to play DC Comics card game. Yeah, you know, I play card games. I like DC Comics. Sure, why not? And then I had this this kind of hope that the game would have like the same level of quality that we got out of Marvel Snap, but it, as DC Comics, because I was like, oh, I'd like it more if it's DC versus Marvel. Oh, you're more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan. Uh, yeah, I think so. I okay. think uh, I, of the, now of the physical comics, I've enjoyed uh, Marvel more in recent years. But as far as the franchises that have sprung sprung from DC Comics, I'm I'm a bigger fan for sure. Anyway, so there, DC Dual Force is kind is not like Marvel Snap. It does not play in any way like it. You now the cards might look similar. I think both games kind of have this Hearthstoney. 
look to them, but they couldn't play any differently. Marvel Snap games, they are very short. You can get through a few games on a short like uh, bus ride. This game, you the games can go. The so games like, what's really the gist go. of the game? How does it work? So check it out. You have two leaders, not one. That's why it's dual force, not dual as in, you know, time oh, to dual. So D-U-A-L force. Yeah, dual okay. as in two. All right. You get two leaders, and they define the type of cards that you can use. And, of course, so far, I've seen nothing but, like, Justice League, like, members. But I've seen, like, villains like the Joker, Lex Luthor, that sort of thing. Right, okay. And so you get two, and they define what kind of cards you can use. Each leader has a different type. Uh, Batman is tech. Superman is might, for example. Okay. Tech is blue, might is red. And they even say that essentially each leader says 20 of your cards have to be of their color. Oh, how, how large it's is it? It's a 40 deck? card deck. Oh, okay. So you're supposed to split down the middle. Now cool. you can run uh, two leaders of the same color and you run 40 cards of those colors, of that yeah. color. But if you, if you split your deck down the middle, 20 of one, 20 of another. Got it. So the limitation is then you're like your card pool. Okay. Um, how the game works is it has this kind of progressive resource system, similar to how in um, Battle Spirits the game the base game mechanic just gives you an extra resource every turn. Mm-hmm. Like in One Piece's Don system, how you just get a Don every turn. You don't have to draw it or anything. You just get another one. Theirs is a bit more. It's something you can only really do in a in a digital way. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, it goes bronze, silver, gold, and you have two of these little symbols on your first turn. One of your symbols turns bronze, and now you can play any one of your bronze cards. Turn two, you get that bronze symbol back and then another bronze symbol. Now you can play two bronze cards. Turn three, one of your symbols turns silver and the other one turns bronze. Now you can play upgrading. Yeah. Okay. Now you see how it works. Now you can play a silver card, a bronze. A, a silver card or a bronze card and a bronze card right. and it goes up to gold and the, but the game never reaches gold and gold the game caps at gold and silver so at the near the end game you can play at max one gold card and one silver card okay so there there's like a balancing aspect to that but i've actually found that resource system to be like pretty pretty fair um it makes you have to build your deck on a level curve if you've ever played Digimon or One Piece, that type of game. You 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 build your deck where you have mostly low level cards, and then uh, you have fewer and fewer high level cards. S- Yu Gi Oh, we've done that, but we just don't. We try not to run the high level cards at all if we can help it. Yeah, unless there's like some cheat. So your leader cards also have abilities, and so you and you build your deck trying to synergize with the abilities. I've only only played one deck, so I'll quickly give you a rundown of how mine worked. It was Batman and Superman. Batman, uh, every two turns, can search your deck for two gadget cards. Gadgets are fun because these are... I love gadgets in Yu-Gi-Oh! But anyway, gadgets are free cards. They cost you nothing to sling them. They have very minute effects, but they're free card advantage. Also, he's able to attack that turn. Your leaders can't normally attack, so they're, they're, they're normally just your life points. Mm-hmm. But if you every two turns he can attack. Superman has an effect where every three turns he can now attack. He has a lot of attack and he's invincible for that turn, so he can't take any damage because he's Superman, the Man of Steel. And so you play cards around them, 
where like my blue cards are trying to utilize gadgets and work with what Batman's got going on. He's going to give me gadgets. I want cards that can take advantage of those gadgets. And my red cards are kind of just thick. They're like, we have shields. We, we, we don't like dying. They're defensive cards, but they're also kind of like beat sticks. Okay. And that's just one deck. There's so many leaders in this game. You can kind of just pick your favorite uh, DC Comics characters. Some have more synergy than others, of course, but you can kind of pick your favorites and try and figure out a playstyle around them. Okay. The gameplay, the gameplay is the gameplay is pretty fun. It's engaging. The games take a while. They're not Marvel Snap. Yeah, but um, that kind of makes me wonder because I felt like you know with these digital card games, there's oftentimes a bit maybe more focus on the games being quicker and kind of more like a bite size in that way. But and that's where we kind of run into some of the weirdness with this game. Oh, okay. So the games aren't Fill quick, and so you're like, okay, well, it must be this is a game made for PC. And yeah, what's it available on? I should have asked. Yeah, uh, so it's on PC, but it's right. not on Steam or Epic Games. Allegedly, a Steam release is coming, but it isn't here yet, so I had to download a separate client and just kind of hard install oh, the thing. That's kind of weird in 2023, but okay. The game's design screams I was made for mobile, yeah. but it's not available on iOS or Android. It does. It, it's not a thing. Is there like word of them... Planning to do that, to release that. I haven't seen any official word, but when I was kind of running through Reddit, someone said that it was supposed to, so I'll, I'll take the okay. word for it. I would think so. I mean, I just feel like if you're making a kind of digital card game, there's it makes no sense. excuse It's the biggest it audience you can possibly mobile, have. Right, yeah. The, um, the game's design screams that it's designed for mobile, but it's not on mobile. It's on, it's on PC, and it doesn't have the world's like greatest... Like kind of optimization The game has loading screens And they they kind of hitch sometimes They're not the fastest loading screens in the world Mm -hmm. It feels a little rough Around the edges like we're still in beta As far as I can tell it's not in beta At least the game didn't tell me I'm in a beta I didn't get a beta key or anything I just was just I just downloaded and started playing Except you know it wasn't rough around the corners Hmm. The shop page Oh yeah, I never is. My God, their monetization scheme is ready to go. That was the most like well put together part of the entire experience. Their shop is ready for you to buy. They had a battle pass. They had um, their premium currency that you can buy to get you can spend to get cards. Oh, they had bundles that you where you can get cards at a bit of a you can get cards, accessories, and stuff at a discount. Yeah. And they had different bundles for every single character. Yeah. Like, and they they want they're, they're they're here They told you it was in the bundle. All these flashy little ready to welcome you into the shop with yes. open arms. <laughs> the shop is solid. It is ready to go. But the rest of the game still feels rough. So while one the, my main point here is I actually do recommend the game. Mm-hmm. I do recommend trying it. It is fun. I I did enjoy playing it. But I don't necessarily recommend investing in it right now now there's a competing thought that you should invest in it just because you find it fun that might help the game reach its true potential mm-hmm. but the game does not feel finished right now so it feels like are you concerned maybe that it won't like exist maybe six months from now or a year from now or something yeah yeah because i don't i don't understand why the game is released like this at all i feel so like, like it how, sorry to go i just feel like it 
should have baked a little bit more before it came out. More time in the oven. Okay, so I've got a few questions. All right, and, shoot. Because uh, the first one is, what is like the free to play experience like? It was like, are you like, how much do you get? Like gyms or kind of whatever the equivalent out packs the gate, for playing. You get a normal. you get you you do get a, a few packs. I want to say I ended up with like five packs early in, and uh, I got some cards, and I was able to build some decks. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of success without spending any money. Though to be clear, guys, I think I've played a total of seven or eight games. Okay, and I'm at low rank, so they're not hard to win. Yeah, but um, I've had I've had a decent enough time as a free to play player. It's just it is frustrating because I think three or four times now I've played against people who've clearly spent money because they have much more cohesive decks with cards I didn't even know existed. Yeah, and um, so they're paying to win. It's a little, it's annoying seeing decks that just kind of work really well, and I'm like, ah, I want to do that too. I'm not gonna but, head over to the shop, man. But uh, I don't want to spend the money, and it doesn't feel safe right now. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Second question: uh, Does it capture the DC kind of like just? Vibe like visually, menus, mm-hmm. characterization, graphic. Like, I would definitely say yes. Okay, good. It has lots of comic book aesthetics all throughout the uh, UI and even the gameplay itself. It has a story mode where you go into different comic book stories. Typically, uh, some of them are the more popular comic books. I played through the Flashpoint comic book, and it told the story. And during every single conflict, because you know they characters got to fight in comic books. Yeah. Whenever there's a fight you would then take the role as like the protagonist or at least just one of the members of the fight. And then you would play against that other person and it has different rules. It imposes on the game state to make it a bit of a challenge. Okay. Maybe better simulate what that conflict might be like for like, for instance, uh, if you guys are familiar with flashpoint, um, Barry Allen gets stuck in another timeline where he doesn't become the flash because reverse flash aside, he was going to undo all that mess. Well, and Barry Allen goes to that time, and he he looks for Batman because he heard Batman still exists. He's like, oh, well, Batman will know I'm the Flash. But you guys know that's not the Bruce Wayne Batman. It's Thomas Wayne, his daddy, and he is not a nice or happy man. So he starts immediately trying to beat the brakes off Barry Allen. Barry Allen in this world doesn't even have his Flash powers. So he has to survive being attacked by... The Batman. So it throws you into the game and it's like survive six turns against Batman. Oh, it gives you it gives you a new deck. You have a new your your Flash leader is not the Flash, you're Barry Allen. And it gives it it puts an object, literally an object in front of your leader card. And your your Barry Allen's only ability is to be able to move the card. And Batman has an ability to kill anything in front of him. Oh, wow. So it's like so, you're playing like a survival horror. So for six turns, you're moving him around, placing objects in front of Barry Allen to try and ward off the sheer amount of pressure he's applying. That actually sounds really funny. You know what that kind of vaguely reminds me of? Because um, mm-hmm. I got to connect everything to Yu-Gi-Oh! In this world. <laughs> um, those like kind of Yu-Gi-Oh! duel puzzles in the old video games where yeah. like you kind of be given a scenario and you had to kind of like figure out a solution to it, like a creative solution or like yeah. survive for a certain amount of time. It's not just, oh, you have to play the game. It's not like a, um, a Yu-Gi-Oh, an older Yu-Gi-Oh story mode where you just 
play a match against said NPC. Yeah. There are rules, restrictions, and unique cards in these modes that actually make it uh, challenging but fun. All right, next question. Uh, does it defeat the Marvel Snap ripoff allegations? Because I'm sure that those yes are probably a thing. and no. Okay, let's hear So it. the gameplay is different enough that if you play it, you will clearly know that this is not Marvel Snap. It is in no way trying to be Marvel Snap. However, Marvel Snap did come out first. So that's always going to kind of be a... And Marvel and DC, you know, they're competing yeah. brands. That everyone relates them to each other. People even confuse the characters between the different properties. Like, And uh, Marvel one? Snap does run better. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Which does. ones are more fun to you? To you? I like... DC Dual Force more. Okay. I definitely do. Uh, it plays more like how a, a TCG normally does. People have compared it to Hearthstone. I haven't played Hearthstone. But this is like a more proper TCG. If you've played Yu-Gi-Oh, if you've played Vanguard, if you've played any of the card games we've had in, in our last skit, uh, yeah. this game is way more similar to those than Marvel Snap is. Okay. It just needs some more polish. So you think this does have potential? It's pretty, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Cool. That's interesting. I mean, I just didn't know that it existed. I know there are some games that they don't really have, like, a load of marketing around them. I figured being maybe does a need DC more. thing, it would perhaps have a bit more, but. I played a game just this <clears throat> morning just to, like, kind of keep the get, get the game fresh in my head again. And uh, I, it was kind of fun. I, I was Max. My opponent's deck was, like, had cards I didn't have. The but, um, guy. But uh, he had green lanterns in his deck, and they would summon constructs with their rings, and that was really cool. Then I beat him, yeah, because I'm better than him. And you know who you are. Skill issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So DC Dual Force. Um, yeah, uh, you know, check like it out. Google it. Because um, I don't know how else you're gonna find it. It's not on Steam yet. It's supposed to be. Uh, if it if it makes its way to the phone, I'll definitely I'll definitely play it. Yeah. Odd that it's only on PC. That just feels a little bizarre, but... Yeah. I don't I don't know why they released it in the state that they did. I wish they hadn't, honestly, but it is what it is. Yeah. Cool. Um, any other stories? Or Let's see. Things? I forgot if I had any more. Might have something that might have been That might have been all I had. That might have been it. That actually was all I had. I'm, I'm weak this week. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's everything for me as well. Oh, snap. We know what that means. Cool. So it's time to reach into the pot. We actually have questions this week. We do. We do. That's yeah, stuff we, we were prepared. The pot is ready to draw cards. I guess we're the ones drawing the cards, but, you know, the pot is All ready right. to deliver. These are you guys' questions from the community tab. So we thank you for your submissions and, of course, your continued support. All right. So my first card says, what if strong cards, cards with uh, negates or one card uh, combo starters, require dice or coin flips? That is an interesting proposition. Hmm. So. Okay. It's, this is controversial, but not really. Okay. I think it'll be fine. I think people would actually play them anyway because they're strong. Okay. And my reasoning is Barrow Dragon and Blowback Dragon and whatever else the other dragon thing. Well, what do you mean? Explain more. Yu-Gi-Oh! players have in the past been willing to embrace 
the chaotic RNG nature of cards if they're strong enough to like warrant it. Okay. I guess like an example of that would maybe be like Snipe Hunter. Which oh, that's was a better a very, example. Very popular better example. card uh, in the past. Okay, complete little quick tangent. There was a Twitter thread like last week where somebody was saying like that Snipe Hunter is like was super overrated and like Yu Gi Oh players gaslit themselves into thinking that it was ever really a good card. And so some people got in the comments and they were like, no, here's why Snipe Hunter was good. It was like a fun kind of little argument to watch unfold. But anyway, not related to really this. Yeah, uh, Snipe Hunter, I think, is proof that people are willing to like, you know, throw on, you know, bet on RNG. Because now there would have to be some like power creeping. Because right now, I think if a card was had a dice roll or a coin flip on it, it, it would have to do more than just negate something. Because we yeah. can get negates. Yeah, I mean, so I guess we're, I'm just going to kind of throw a scenario together here. So basically, we're going to take like an average Omni negate, like right. a Bor- or Baron de Fleur, right? That's always the easy go-to, everyone's favorite. Negates and destroys and anything. Uh, maybe like, I guess, you, so you're flipping the coin. If it's heads, it does that. And if it's tails, it does nothing. Yes. Okay. I would hope it, it doesn't destroy itself. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. older chance-based cards. <laughs> that might be neat. I mean, I think people would obviously gravitate towards the things that don't have those effects. But if this is something where Konami, in this theoretical world, they've banned all the existing Omni Negates and all the new ones are near identical, except they have coin flips attached, would people play them? I want to say, like, maybe not. I think people just would not want to, you know... Re- you know, you're in the finals of the YCS, and you're going like, to gamble kind of your victory or defeat on whether or not your negation goes through. Like on but a I mean, flip. if you can build a board of four monsters that all have a, like, interruption, but it's chance-based versus not having that ability. Here's a question. Okay. Do they, so if my Baron de Flora hits tails, I wonder, does it? get to try again then later like on a, on a new activation later on in, like in the same turn yeah or hmm, some or yeah like because i mean that might be kind of a because that would still be a balancing thing yeah that would like be. if i activate you know i'm trying to like bait the barone so i activate lightning storm or something right just throwing an example out there and they're like okay i'm going to negate with barone they have to flip a coin they flip like you know well, i guess tails would be it'll be destroyed i'm going to take a what's a better example rhoda so they flip tails, they don't get to negate my rota, I get my search, and now I go to summon my monster and use defect, does the Barone get to try again? In which case, that I think people would still probably play that, or at least consider it. Like, I don't know, I think I think it could be, I know Yu-Gi-Oh players hate RNG, like, I know, they hate yeah. RNG more than life itself, but if we didn't have a choice, kind of like in the Snipe Hunter days, and the Blowback Dragon days... I think, I mean, we do it. There could be something. I think we do it. Yeah, I mean. I'd actually like that. That would be fun. There is one thing, too. An example that I thought was really good was the way that Valence incorporated, like, coin flips and stuff into some of their effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of their fusion monsters um, actually have, or one of their monsters that gets played a lot of magic. Because they have this kind of game board aesthetic going on. Yeah, where you kind of move around the board. One of those monsters has an effect where, like, you can target a monster in the field and flip a coin. If it's like heads, its effects are negated. And if it's tails, it's returned to the hand. So like both effects are beneficial. They're just different. I remember Paul and I, we've done these like coin versus dice duels. And that was one of the things that we brought up with why these cards are bad and what will make them better is if the good, if, the, if one effect was very good and the effect was just fine, 
instead yeah. of horribly detrimental. Yeah. All those old cards, it's like if you get heads, you get a decent effect. If you get tails, it self destructs or something. Yeah, or like exactly. Just, you lose a bunch of life points. Roll a three, it does what you want. Roll a six, it blows itself up. Like I think something that could be cool. Just speaking of the omni negate thing, would be like, okay, if it's heads, you negate. If it's tails, you negate and destroy. Or like something kind of, or you know, something in that vein. Hmm. Or maybe how like bestial dissipator is, where like, say you activate a monster effect, and I get to flip a coin. If I flip heads, I can negate the monster's effect. If I hit tails, I can destroy the monster. Kind of like how like Doom King Balardrock is. Yeah, sort of similar you get to that. Either or type. So thing. kind of either or thing. So there could be something fun there. I don't know. I'd, I'd play it. I'd it, play it. The idea sounded crazier initially, but the more I think about it, there could be something fun there. What you got? Um, okay, so this person asks, is prize support worth it? So current Yu-Gi-Oh! prize support. I haven't been at a Y... I haven't participated in a YCS in some years now, so I can't answer. Yeah, I don't know that I'm the best person to really answer this since obviously I'm not like in the competitive circuit at least right now, but... Well, Chris since, was talking about prize support recently. Yeah, I will say I have some thoughts. So I know that currently on Twitter... Uh, I've seen or X. I've seen a lot of threads and stuff where top players actually are at like these last few YCS events have been sharing uh, pictures of their prize support that they've gotten for like say top eight or whatever, and it's kind of not in a very positive light. They're like, oh look, you know, rate my prizing. It's like you know, twelve packs of Duelist Nexus for getting hey. like you know top eight or something at this YCS that you flew out to and stuff. So it doesn't really feel maybe worthwhile. And then there's obviously the story we talked about like the other week with like Pokemon doubling its, or in some cases even nearly tripling its prize support money and stuff. So uh, being at Pokemon can be lucrative. So from my kind of anecdotal slash observe, uh, you know, from when you won your last YCS. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I win them every weekend. Um, it doesn't seem like people love current prize support. Uh, it seems like maybe Konami could afford to improve in that department. Chris, but you get a Switch OLED. No, you don't get an OLED. Actually, Chris informed us that you get. Uh, it's still like old Switches that they're giving out, like those Gen One Switch. Why would I want a Gen One Switch? I think with Konami. So, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, if you're against it, but. There's not probably ever going to be cash prizes. I think that just seems like that's the reality of it. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. Like I said before, before I've kind of changed my stance on it. I think cash prizes could have some real benefits, but we're not, you know, feasibly getting them as far as I can tell. So what is the next best thing then? A Switch OLED. And I think really, if they just don't want to give out cash, give out gift cards or something like give out like a. A fucking Best Buy gift card. I don't know. You can go and It'll buy It'll be a, a two hundred dollar Best Buy gift card. Maybe it's, maybe it's better than we have now. But uh, give um, give away PS fives. At least they're worth more when you sell them. Yeah, I think give away PS five. <laughs> I just heard what you said. Ouch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think that they could be doing a little bit better than old switches. Like, if that's true, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's since changed. <laughs> but when like, that Switch two comes out, y'all better upgrade. I bet I hear about give people winning switches when the Switch 2 was out. Or maybe like have a little so you know like Asus. I think it was Asus was sponsoring Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds. Right? Oh, yeah. I saw that they were like a sponsor of Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds. It was on the stream. Why like ha, like give the winners like a, a gaming PC? Or even the Asus uh little handheld PC deal. Yeah, the ROG like portable thing. Like, you know, 
I, I think like a, a gaming PC or something in that neighborhood could feel like a pretty meaningful prize. Like it might be a little know. awkward flying home with an entire PC. Well, it'd be shipped out to you, I'd assume. Like I know right now it's these prize cards and there's a whole conversation to be had about that. Where like it's you hard know to move prize cards. The prize cards, I imagine they're not the easiest things to move. And I'm still not a huge fan of like prize support being something that a player has to sell. Like it's weird to me because obviously I guess if you get a Yu-Gi-Oh prize card, the idea would be that it's a prized card and you keep it and like that's great. And some people I'm sure do that, right? They keep their trophy, they keep their prize card. But oftentimes you will just see people selling these prize cards and like selling top cut mats and stuff like that. And it, it kind of feels a bit sad that like I don't think there should be prizes where the intention is just that you turn around and sell it. I think the intention should be that you give them something that is still useful to them. Mm -hmm. So that's where I thought a gaming PC would be like something. Remember the prizing for the Duelist Kingdom tournament? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where like you either get like the $3 million in prize money or the king's other hand where like it's kind of a wish of yours that gets granted. Like the anime already set our expectations and we're in the, we're all the way the opposite. Like, <laughs> can you imagine like Yugi wins the West kingdom and Joey's like, nah, I can get that uh, surgery for my sister. And Yugi hands him a switch. You go, you go sell that Joey. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, listen, I know Konami probably can't do the, the money thing, but I do think that there could be improvements I will defer this question, however, to uh, the comments. What would be good price support if money is not on the table? Like, what do they do next? Because I know Konami covers the surgery of your choice. That is right. Hey, I, I've been needing a few surgeries. Body's a little creaky these days. Maybe Konami can people start funding cosmetic surgery. I mean, Konami go pay for my BBL. It makes me think. Oh my god! It makes me think like. Maybe they could, you know. All right, this will be a lot. I know they're like spending a lot of time on this, but it's a good question. Like, Konami kind of has this weird thing where they seem to be torn between how much they want Yu Gi Oh! like Master Duel and Duel Links specifically to appear as like esports, sort of, mm -hmm. but then they don't really follow through with the whole like idea of player sponsorships and like big prize pools and stuff. So, I mean, I, I think like that's. Yeah, I don't know. It's hopefully they can do something. I don't know. Fingers I don't know what it is. Fingers crossed for be. the future. I'm optimistic, though I won't be competing, so it's yeah, not I mean, really relevant to that's me. The thing, that's the main thing. I'm not like kind of currently going to like YCS events and stuff like that, so I can't. I would love to hear from like current top players. What would you want to see in prize the people support? who what would make will it feasibly better? actually win this prize? These part these prizes. Yeah, because I don't really know that I'm allowed to have much of an opinion on it. I'm not winning. Have you ever been scammed buying or trading cards? Oh, plenty. Have I been scammed? I think I've told a story before about how um, when Alex and I were very young, mm -hmm. we went to our very first kind of locals at Books A Million, and a guy traded us like three Ziploc bags or two. It was some very large Ziploc bags of like IOC and other commons. For like a few of our rare cards that we didn't really know were rare, we didn't have like a value on them, and mm -hmm. all we saw were just these this intense amount of cards being traded for a very few cards. We just thought, oh, more is better than less. 
Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we got scammed. Yeah, I think the uh, the story I think of is once upon a time, all you youngsters won't really remember this, online trading was a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, you was trading on Pojo. Yeah, I was. I was trading on <laughs> Pojo. I was trading on YouTube. It was There was a thing. like, And people, they would do online trades. Uh, it was funny. The way that it worked was like you'd have like a refs list, like your references. And so like, you know, if you trade with people, they kind of, they get added to your refs list. There's my refs, dude. Check out my refs, Alec. And I've got a, lo- a long list of refs. <laughs> well, anyway, if you have a lot of refs, that means you're trusted. And so the person with more refs is the person, like, the person with less refs has to send first. Right. Which kind of, like, it makes sense, right? Um, however, this was, of course, rife with scamming and, you know, lying and all that stuff. People would copy and paste refs lists. Right, like I just oh, Alec has traded with a hundred people, and I've only traded with like two. Okay, I'll just copy and paste some of your list onto because it was just part of like your Pojo signature or whatever. Like you know how that works, or you put it on your YouTube channel description back when YouTube worked that way. Well, um, yeah. So, anyways, to fast forward to my story, when gold, who you scam? The very first, oh no, I did not scam anyone, <laughs> but I did get scammed when the very first gold series came out. It was the first or the second one. It uh, was whichever one like reprinted Dark Armed Dragon and like Gold Sarcophagus and all these cards at the time, which were like huge, huge, huge money. I feel cards. like that's the second one. I think it was the second. The third one. one, I remember, I got the third one. So, anyways, um, like Gold Sarcophagus and stuff like that was. Uh, I think I pulled like Gold Sarks. I pulled two, maybe. Ooh. And I, and I, I think for context, I'm maybe like in eighth grade at this time you had more money than your mama yeah so um, i did pull actually a gold crush guard virus when that came out two? the very first one no not two but i did in the very first gold series i did pull a, a gold crush card oh, sold man. it on ebay had 200 bucks richest kid in the world for like Damn. a week or two or however long like i bought a camera or something with it that's crazy figures but um yeah so anyways i got these like gold sarks they were worth let's say maybe 50 bucks a piece and so i was like trading with some guy liquid gold and uh i sent the cards and he just never sent anything back and that was like my scam story i just got scammed out of two gold sarks don't remember what i was trading for all right Dox's username he, let's, let's let's sick the whole yeah. chat on him i'll go yeah i'll go look up my pojo account and find his name yeah Actually, and of you course, might be able to i really probably could pojo still exists and the thing is like you there was no recourse there's no authority figure there's no any like there's nothing you people would you know threaten to like oh file a report with usps they can't do that shit they're not gonna do anything about it so uh yeah i got scammed out of those cards and it really sucked and i think that was the last time i ever did online trading <laughs> so yeah that'd be my last time too i mean i didn't really even do very much of it to begin with but uh you know, it was cool. That was like a period of time where people actually just traded cards, you go cards in general. It doesn't really happen even in locals much anymore. I think during that era of um, like card gaming, I didn't really use the internet like that. I, don't, I never, I never traded anything online. Didn't buy anything. Didn't sell anything. Yeah. So that's my biggest scam. I certainly would not advise online trading very much today. Although I suppose like maybe it's there are more safeguards in place, but you'd probably just buy your stuff on TCG Player, huh? Yeah, I keep it simple. All right, my second card. Uh, here we go. Okay, here's an interesting one. 
Do you go to events even if you won't or can't play in the main event? I've done it many times. Yeah, Alec knows all about it. Um, mm-hmm. And Alex, I've been too. dragged to many and ev- many of an event, and I, I, d- I don't always care to compete, and so uh, that's the real uh, fun: finding something else to do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun to go to like you know YCS events. I always advise players. I still hold to this. Um, advice for anybody who's like gotten into Yu-Gi-Oh recently or or been playing a long time you should go to one YCS if you are able I think it's just a good experience to have um YCSs are way better than it used to be yeah I know that these days they're supposed to be really fun but I mean like YCSs they're fun events there's a lot to do it's a very um it's a good experience you get to get to meet a lot of people you get to see kind of what the game is you know like how the game is played sort of at at the top level Mm -hmm. but also just Lots of trades. You get to like make a token in the token yeah. booth. Buy Lots cards of trading. There's vendors. Uh, You'll meet Yu Gi Oh! Now there's a lot of side events too. Yeah, and the public events are a great attraction too because, like, sometimes, hey, their prize support these days is sometimes better than main event prizes. You can get like, some, you can get uncut sheets and stuff. Yeah, like uncut things with actual like monetary rares. value. <laughs> yeah, uncut sheets of like Starlight Rares and stuff or sets, and then also like the giant cards and like oversized yeah. cards. Those are those can be sold for like a few thousand, if not a few hundred. Yeah, the Winamats. So it's definitely something that I would recommend going to. Particularly, you know, maybe you shouldn't like fly out there by yourself. Find a group of friends, split a hotel, and like. Oftentimes, if you, uh, even if you aren't intending to grind the public events and like win these uh, large prizes, there's usually someone there that will buy your like ticket stubs off you. Yeah, uh, is that wait? Is that breaking TOS? Take that out. Well, no, I, I know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that's like something people still do. I didn't I do it. I've never done that. Yeah, I just know that when people were at like YCS events, they would always try to like buy the ticket stubs. I'm assuming they probably punish people for that now. Yeah, I've never done it. Never sold. Never bought. But um, at any rate, I mean, I've never like I've really never had enough to buy anything. So yeah, me neither. Very good. Never, not once. <laughs> so yeah, but there's. I think that everybody should go to a YCS at least once. So much. It's, fun. it's, it's, it's a fun time. Uh, I don't go to very many of myself anymore these days. I just I'm not really into like competing as much in Yu-Gi-Oh. I, I play my master role. I'm fine. But um, yeah, I, I would say it's fine to go. Um, uh, one thing I will say is a big compliment to Konami and like the other organizers of these events. They don't charge you to go into a YCS event. Yeah, you can just show up. And I used to take that for granted. Like the fact that you can just show up at a YCS and just walk in the door and just casually observe and kind of sit around and but trade some of these other cards. because yeah some of these other card games i've been to these events like these so regional you want to watch stuff. 30 dollars like it, they, they'll charge like a little attendance fees like a spectator fee like you want to come inside 30 bucks 20 bucks however much like bro it's a gift if i walk into your venue so yeah i uh i would not i would not pass up the chance to go to ycs particularly if there is one within a few hours of you definitely and like, you know i love going to ycs do you, even if i don't play why because they're always in convention centers and that means there's stairwells and the little rooms and like little like pockets where i can go to sleep uh, no one can find me. Even I don't know where I am. I've disappeared at many an event. I've had sometimes I've gone to sleep in events and woken up and there's someone next to me. I'm like, whoa, where did you come from? Just kind of terrifying. Ah, it is what it is. You know, that's that's event life, y'all. You know. Yeah. So, don't but don't sleep with your cards out. That that that's ah, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, be sure you watch your stuff. Of course, that's that's always good. Good warning. But yeah, those are the questions. Yeah, um, that was the very good, very good questions this week. 
Which means... And very long episode this week. Sorry for all you guys. Was this one long? This was like, I think, nearly two hours. Oh, wow. Something like that. Um, So, sorry for you guys that don't want that, but, uh, you know, uh, looking out for the guys who do want that, though, you know. That is correct. Um, Anyways, thank you guys, of course, for all your support. Thanks for watching. A couple of questions. First of all, uh, would you guys be interested in a Pot of Greed Clips channel? It's something that I saw in the comments recently. Somebody was like, hey, can you make like a channel or some place where like we kind of clip the show into like just each specific story or whatever. Oh, and like so somebody can kind of just consume just the stuff that they want later and without having to like scrub through this like, hour and a half, two hour long thing. I have been on a few of other like other podcasts, like clip channels. Mm-hmm. I, I say a few, it's just a trash chase podcast because I, I never can sit through the whole thing, but I like to mm-hmm. see the small parts. So is that something that you guys would want to see? Let us know down in the comments. And also, um, check out our latest skit on the Team APS main channel. Oh, yeah. That one was so much Yeah, fun. it was a lot of fun to do. I think that you guys would really appreciate it. YouTube did not maybe do the best job of distributing it out to people because it didn't get very many views. But we would appreciate wow. it if you guys would have a look. Show it some algorithmic love. Watch the whole thing. Comment. Thumbs up. Let them know you came from the pot of greed. Yeah, share it with a friend. Link it to people. All that stuff. All right. I think that's it. We'll see you guys in the next one. Past turn. turn.